This is the most marketable corporate-sponsored sports entertainer of our or any generation, the hashtag feminist icon, E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle... The Whole Reffin' Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Wrestling Podcast. Calls it right down the middle. The Whole Reffin' Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. It is a jam-packed and jelly-tight show, folks. We got headlines ranging from illegitimate children to WWE returns. We got a preview for the upcoming Fest Wrestling show Christmas in July, which will be in Gainesville on July 23rd at 8 seconds. And speaking of Fest Wrestling, we have part two of our Dynamite interview with Rich Bocchini, formerly Rich Brennan of WWE, current voice of Fest Wrestling. And of course, WWE SmackDown Live Battleground is this Sunday, which means, of course, Darren and I must go head to head. Head to head. With our predictions of who the big winners are going to be at Battleground. It's a pretty good card for Battleground, I got to say. It looks. Uh, it's it a looks, lot of fun. I, it is. This is a good card. As far as a quote-unquote B pay-per-view goes, this has a lot of talent and some interesting matchups. I am pretty excited. A lot of potential there, indeed. And also, for the first time on our show, folks, we actually have a fan calling into the show. Hey! Which is pretty awesome, as we always give our social media info. We give lots of ways for you to reach out to us uh, at the end of every episode, uh, a fan actually reached out to me on Gmail. Her name is Holly, and uh, she's going to talk to us about... She's excited about Fest, I guess, and she's a wrestling fan in general. She didn't say much, but I know she's a wrestling fan, and you know what? You reach out to me and say nice things about me, I'm going to be nice to you and say, come on my show and say nice things on my show. And if you're a fan of wrestling, of course you're a fan of Fest Wrestling. Obviously, it goes nuts. So let's see what she has to say. Wonderful indeed. So we'll talk to Holly a bit later on. But first, we got to talk about those headlines. Hot off the presses is a strange story today. Shane McMahon... Involved in an emergency landing in a helicopter in the water off Gilgo Beach near New York. Shane McMahon was leaving his Manhattan home to visit family nearby when he and his helicopter pilot, known only by the name Mario, experienced a loud bang, at which point Mario alerted Shane they must make an emergency landing, and that it would have to be in the water. Shane McMahon told press after his rescue that it was actually Mario's extreme calmness that made him worry. Not the loud bang, not the emergency landing. The loud bang could have been DDP. <laughs> it could have been. But... Uh, Shane McMahon apparently was most concerned by the lack of concern 
uh, on the part of his helicopter pilot. But apparently that was simply because of the helicopter pilot's extreme skill, precision, professionalism. Once they landed in the water, the two were rescued from the helicopter by the Coast Guard, and they are perfectly okay. Very nice. Very strange news story that made national headlines and happened to involve, you know, a celebrity. Right. So that's a little odd. By that you mean Mario uh, <laughs> of the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, yeah, yeah. I think originally when the story broke, though, it was very much sensationalized. It wasn't It wasn't emergency helicopter landing as much as it was helicopter crash in the ocean. Oh, for sure. And it was like, whoa, whoa! The next one was like emergency landing. Just landing. They're fine. Totally fine. Don't, don't even worry about it. Yeah, not even a dangerous landing. They just landed. Yeah, don't, don't even read this article. Don't even click on it. Just, they're fine. They're fine. Just, yeah, just Shane McMahon basically said landing on the water felt no differently than if they had landed on the ground. Right. So literally, it was just like, Shane McMahon, slightly inconvenienced today. Yes. Shane McMahon takes a dive in his backyard swimming pool. Oh, takes a dive? Oh, oh it's wrestling fix. Takes <laughs> a hashtag dive. I didn't know it was broken. <laughs> hashtag dive. Randy Orton weighs in. Thank you, Bill Lapter. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, wonderful. I'd say get well soon, Shane, but he's fine. He's totally fine. But it definitely was worth mentioning. And Shane, hopefully, will be there this Sunday. Right. Since Shane, of course, is the face of SmackDown Live. And SmackDown Live is the WWE brand that is going to get covered on today's episode of the whole reference show. Right. However, there was one story on Raw this week that definitely bears mentioning. And that is the reveal... That Jason Jordan, formerly of American Alpha, is the illegitimate son of Raw General Manager Kurt Angle. So is this a new Jason Jordan Angle? Or is this the new Jason Jordan angle? Oh, nice. See, I was putting it together for myself. Like, oh, I got a, <laughs> I got a good one cooking, but damn, you got there first. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this is happening. Coming off the heels of Kurt Angle having the storyline with Corey Graves, where Corey was receiving text messages, Kurt was very uh, distressed, like exceedingly distressed in the beginning, and, and so it led to speculation of, you know, what what's the deal here? Is he going to get fired? Is this about Stephanie and or Triple H coming back? Does it have to do with his work? Then all of a sudden it became, no, Kurt Angle has something going on with his family. And he even said as much as this is greatly going to affect his family. Blah, blah, blah. So then the story began to float around. Is this going to be revealed that Kurt and Stephanie McMahon have been having an affair for the last decade and a half, right. following up on that story from ages and ages and ages ago. And then if that were the case, do they have an illegitimate child out there somewhere? Or has Stephanie been, you know, is is Kurt the father of Hunter's children? If, if, if this were 15 years ago, that would have been what happened, by the way. And then it seemed like, well, what what is happening here? I still want to know why Corey Graves is so deeply involved. And also for a while, it was going to be rumored, if not Stephanie, maybe Dixie Carter 
formerly from TNA Impact Wrestling, was involved because Dixie Carter has appeared on the network recently, and that was a big deal. Sure, uh, something you never you thought you'd never see. <laughs> right. Um. So like, getting her completely immersed in the WWE is a really odd thing, which you know didn't end up happening, obviously. And also, I don't think enough people know who Dixie Carter is. There was that definitely that concern. Yeah, I know that there would have been it would have popped a lot of fans. Yeah, and it would have popped the whole internet. But you're right. And I think they probably made the right move for themselves by not bringing her in. Okay. Let's see if I'm going with this angle. No! Um, No, they made the right move probably by not bringing Dixie Carter in. But uh, if they ever do, that would be very interesting. I'd like to see it just... You know, because it's certainly not to the same degree, but it'd be very much like Eric Bischoff. Let's say it'd be like Bischoff, but not at all, because no one really knows Dixie Carter. So the interesting thing was all the speculation leading up to the to the reveal had basically been about Kurt Angle having an affair or having right. cheated on his wife or something like that. They they steered clear of that. They steered clear of like putting like that kind of really nasty smudge on him, and basically just said, "Hey." Long before I was married to my first or second wife. Yeah, they made sure to to make they, it as like legit as illegitimate. As as, as, legit, as legitimately illegitimate. illegitimate as they could. So he told the story that while he was in college While he was in church praying, <laughs> accidentally impregnated a woman he was married to at the time. They divorced. Yeah. Now as, as he told it on Raw, this was a woman he dated a few times. Um obviously he slept with her. She uh, he breaks up with her. The, both of their lives go on. Decades later, it's revealed uh, that Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son. Well, they both have shaved heads. And they both have wrestling singlets. So automatically, yes, I get it completely. Well, of course, yes. of course. They both have arms and legs. The downside of this story, uh, the the the. Biggest downside. It's I'm all, sorry. One of the downsides of the story. Well, okay, dear listeners, Perry is much more opposed to the story than I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're not opposed to this? No. You like this? No. I'm opposed to the breaking up of American Alpha. Absolutely, and that's the worst casualty of this horrible that, angle. Well, and that's what I was trying. to oh, say. Oh, and I know you are. And I'm <laughs> going to say that because we can agree on that at least. I really, and I don't even. I, I do. I do hate that it broke up American Alpha. But even more than I hate the breakup, I hate the fact that Chad Gables is staring down the barrel of a future endeavor. Don't you say that about Chad. I don't want Chad to go the way of the Dodo. I don't want him to be an also-ran on SmackDown. And I think the only thing you do with Chad Gable is you put him on 205 Live and you... Do with him what they are sort of failing to do with Drew Gulak. Is you have a cruiserweight over there that's not a high flyer. Truly not a high flyer. Like he's not going to leave the top rope ever. We talked about this before. Where 205 Live just needs small people with different skill sets. Well yeah, 205 Live, if it's going to be its own show... Mm -hmm. It needs to be like any other wrestling show. It needs to be like the second hour of Nitro. It's like... Where we basically belonged to the mid-carters, a.k.a. the cruiserweights, and it was just all kinds of different cruiserweights, and it was and great. The, well, yeah, and the entire hour of 205 Live can be like the three hours of Raw or the two hours of SmackDown. 
It's a roller coaster with different talents, different spotlights, different occurrences. But you have to be a certain so weight to ride the roller coaster. Yes. That they all weigh under 205 pounds. Exactly, yes. And, uh, well, then there were shades of the Alpha Breakup when uh, Chad Gable came out to challenge Kevin Owens for the U.S. Open you know, championship thing that Owens And I doing. hated that. Because and I was, was kind of like, like whoa, 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 what are you doing? No, exactly, yeah. Um, so anyway... Uh, so that, that, that's a bad thing. I don't like the angle. I think it's bad. I think the worst part about this is um, is that news of this happening hit the internet weeks before it happened, and I was I was seeing all over the place like, hey, like it's gonna be that Jason Jordan is a son. And I was like, that's too stupid. They would not touch that with a ten meter cattle prod. It's a Ghostbusters reference, um, and uh, and it ended up happening. What's even worse is there's a. There's something in my Facebook feed. I th- I'm pretty sure it's WWE. It's like official, legit WWE. But it's it's a woman. I forget who it is. But she says the news like, hey, and this week, blah, blah, blah. And Rusev said this, blah, 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 blah. But she even said, she addressed the rumor and said, for those of you who think Jason Jordan is actually Kurt Angle's son is what the big secret is, you're wrong because <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, WWE addressed an internet rumor said it was false directly directly and said it was false and then it wasn't false what are you doing was it not de- was it definitely not going to be the thing and then they went but just just just, just do that just go with that we'll, we'll see what happens uh, double swerve double swerve i don't understand that at all that that whole like the whole thing is just is botched i don't i don't understand any of it and i, I don't like it I, I and we've talked about this hopefully it ends up being that jason jordan finds out he is not Kurt Angle's son. I think that that's the only way it can ultimately end because at most, how long are we going to have Kurt Angle on WWE programming? A year? Right. Two years? But now you are saddling Jason Jordan with having to be Kurt Angle's son, you know, kayfabe, the rest of his career. First of all, I want to know, are they going to start calling him Jason Angle? Are they going to call him Jason Jordan Angle? What are they going to do here? call him Jordan Angle. You know, now, there's been plenty of fake relatives in the history of pro wrestling. I mean, Arn Anderson, to anybody under the age of 40, is the Anderson. He's not an Anderson. He's not an Anderson. He was added in later, and yet he is. Oh, he's he's Arn Anderson. He's the. I mean, he's the most. Right. I mean, Arn Anderson. He's honestly, the most Anderson. He is the most Anderson. Like, because honestly, again, people under forty, uh, Oli and Gene, even though they were the originals, they don't. They they didn't bridge a gap. Arn Anderson has now bridged like three or four gaps, three or four different eras. Arn Anderson is the Anderson. And he's not an Anderson. Nah. You know, in that respect, I don't think it's a problem. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people think this is a bad idea, and it may be, but I'm with you. I hope it comes out later into whatever story they decide to manifest it into. It gets rid of the the angle, no pun intended. The current angle, yeah. And, uh, and then you go, and you go back to normal, and it just becomes... An interesting story for 2017, and I think it will be looked back upon fondly if the ship is righted down the road. Well, 
But I think an idea that is definitely a bad idea is taking Talking Smack off the air. Yeah, a really big surprise. Talking Smack uh, got the plug pulled. Unfortunately, Renee Young, host of Talking Smack, found out, I think, via Twitter when, oh, w- good. when WWE posted about, like, unfortunately, we canceled Talking Smack. And Renee Young was like, oh, okay. Um, which, I mean, Talking Smack will happen after the SmackDown pay-per-views still. Talking Smack was an idea they loved so much they tried to clone it with Raw Talk, which Raw Talk failed immediately. Uh, Talking Smack was great because Renee Young, you know, she is really good at her job. She's excellent. Um, and I, I don't know why you do it. And we've discussed Talking Smack on the show before. We think it's a great way for talent to kind of get to talk and get to be themselves. They must have said some things that, that creative did not like. Okay, let me just say constantly. this. Baron Corbin, the only time anything he's ever said on a microphone in the WWE that has been good has been on Talking Smack. Wow. The Not the only good things, but the very best things Jinder Mahal has ever said on a microphone in the WWE has been on Talking Smack. Wow. And let's not forget, let us not forget, the Miz to Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan walking off. And was it, that was so good, everybody wanted to know, was that an actual shoot? Uh, every bit of that, Talking smack, not SmackDown, not pay-per-view, not Raw, not Attitude Era, Reality Era, 2017, on Talking Smack, the very best promos in WWE. Yeah. Because they're not scripted. And that's the problem. I think Vince McMahon feels he has had to relinquish too much control by letting them do what they want because it's either unscripted or mostly unscripted and he cannot handle that right no i agree with that i i I do think it's it's i think they blamed it on like poor ratings or something like that and and there may be poor ratings but i mean it's it's just such a good show and such a great way for people to get more practice speaking and interacting with each other um and it's just such a such a great little addition to the show like when mcmahon had his talk show you know back in the day back on like main event and stuff like yeah, that. Tuesday Night Titans. Absolutely. And and this is just kind of that, minus yeah. McMahon. Yep. And sometimes with Shane McMahon. Um, but no, it was a great way to also kind of get the, like, keep the story going. And, and and I don't know. It's it's There's so many positives. That you, and, and you're talking about a network where you're worried about filling up with content. And now you're taking away a show that could cost like nothing to make because you're filming it while 205 Live is filming anyway. And it's not like you pay these wrestlers nightly. <laughs> you pay them a salary. Right. So They're I there. I don't understand the, the production budget concerns. Especially because the show is, what, 15 minutes long? Uh, that That's my point, is every single reason they've given so far is bogus. Absolutely. It has everything to do with the fact that creative has had to relinquish too much control. I think so, too. And they refuse to let the talent get themselves over or even try or even practice one day it might make a comeback folks in fact they said that lesnar would never make a comeback to ufc and they said don't call it a comeback because you might get slapped uh lo cool j said that uh but brock lesnar apparently in talks to return at ufc in november yes early this month brock lesnar and his real life manager 
or agent or advocate or whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, advocate. were spotted at UFC headquarters. And it seems to be mostly because Lesnar is coming off the end of his suspension, his drug suspension. I forgot about that, yeah. And it sort of makes him eligible again. We know that Brock loves to get in there in the octagon. For some reason, you can make a ton of money just pretending to fight on wrestling, but whatever. <laughs> right. So Lesnar, uh, obviously, once this uh, suspension is over, hungry to get back in the octagon. And, of course, his WWE contract allows that. Even though his WWE contract runs until 2018, he set it up and WWE obliged that he would and, uh, and, and so far could, can, has stepped away during his WWE contract to go fight in UFC. And it appears he's negotiating to make a return to the Octagon at UFC pay-per-view the 5th of November. What would be cool, though, is him wearing the WWE Universal Championship to the ring at UFC. Kind of like when, you know, different indie champs wear their belts to other shows. That's kind of cool to me, that idea. Um, I think that would be great. However, now that this has hit the news wires, it seems to add a little bit of fuel to the fact that Brock will not be holding on to that universal title. He should not be champion at this point, no. And whereas it seemed like they were going to take an entire year to make Lesnar invincible, only to lose to Roman Reigns next April in New Orleans at WrestleMania 34, or WrestleMania Fleur de Lis. And, uh, but now they're saying no. The uh, way that Roman and Strowman's feud has gone the way that Samoa Joe has asserted himself as a main event player. And, of course, I can only imagine now, with Lesnar talking about going to UFC, they very well may take the belt off of Brock at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Whether it's him losing to Roman, Strowman, or Joe, I, I definitely think if this UFC deal happens, and, all, and, and it'll happen fast, he's already negotiating it, they're going to want to promote it as early as possible. And November might seem like it's pretty far away. It's not that far away. UFC is going to want to promote this often and early. And uh, I think once that starts happening, it'll be a definite that if Brock hasn't already lost the Universal title, he will be. Right. And I think it'll be a big surprise if he just keeps winning and winning and winning. It'll be like, all right, get close to November now. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting there. We'll see what happens there. Um, uh, some news in the uh, Global Force Wrestling, aka Impact Wrestling, aka TNA Wrestling, uh, with uh, the debut of John Hennigan, uh, slated for August. Uh, John Hennigan, you might know better as uh, John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, uh, John Johnny Mundo, Johnny Mundo in uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, he gets around. <laughs> he gets around. He has around. gotten around. He just wrestled Luchasaurus at Wrestle Circus, he as did. we reported on this show. John Hennigan is uh, he is everywhere. Talk about early and often. This guy, he's hold well. He holds three different titles in AAA in uh, Lucha Libre in Mexico right now, as well as everything you just said. Um. Right now, it seems he has only signed for some live event dates. 
uh, in the Northeast as Global Force Wrestling is uh, looking to put on some, I guess, house shows, or as they're called now, live events. Um, so we don't know if his contract includes him like, boom, I'm here, I am in GFW now, I am not in Lucha Underground, I'm not going to WWE, I'm here. That we don't know. But we do know he will at least be wrestling three times at the start of August for GFW. And that's that's a big story in and of itself. John Hennigan is a very nice grab for GFW. Yeah, um, really talented wrestler, really gifted athlete. Um, a lot of corkscrew stuffs that he can do. Uh, a lot of really impressive wrestling maneuvers for sure. And uh, the way they book GFW and Impact Wrestling and TNA over the years, anyone like known from WWE comes right in and wins that belt immediately. It's just the way Jarrett has always done business there. Christian leaves WWE, boom, TNA champion. Rhino leaves WWE, boom, TNA champion. It's just over and over and over again. Alberto, you know, Patron. You know, and I was about to mention Alberto because if November is not that far away, August definitely isn't. We're talking about like 10 days. Mm -hmm. So if John Morrison, John Hennigan is in GFW just a couple of weeks from now, and uh, they can't clear all this mess up with Alberto El Patron, I don't think they'll hesitate stripping him of the belt and putting it on Johnny. Absolutely. And uh, I think he would be a, he'd be a nice, he'd be just as good, if not better than Alberto in terms of, Hey, I'm a new face for this new brand for this new company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he's got indie cred and WWE cred too. So the kid's got a lot going for him. Got to say GFW is also apparently very interested in bringing in, Ray Mysterio, former WCW and WWE standout, most recently a Lucha Underground standout, just like John Hennigan. Ray Mysterio is on the latest season of Lucha Underground, and uh, which will continue airing in September. So after the show completes airing, because Lucha Underground's contracts are written so that uh, they're while they're airing their programming for the first time, the talent is not to appear in what they consider competitive arenas like GFW or WWE. And not only that, but once Lucha Underground's season ends, then there's still a 90-day no-compete clause at the end of that. So Rey Mysterio, who apparently is definitely leaving Lucha Underground, may be headed to GFW. They're very interested However, WWE, also very interested. So we're probably looking at the first of 2018 before he's likely to show up anywhere. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who wants him more and uh, what kind of offers uh, are, are sent his way. And it'll also be interesting to see who he wants more. Right. So they're like for WWE, Mr. is like, how would you like to be? Cruiserweight champion, Rey Mysterio. That's all we're going to give you. Let's face it. Let's be honest. You're lucky if you get that, too. But I think Mysterio would be a nice addition to 205 Live and really kind of bring in a couple of uh, viewers because Rey Mysterio is so well-known. Um, and uh, some good matches come out of that as well. So so that is it for the headlines, folks. Uh, man, it's very varied. Very varied 
uh, headlines, a lot going on in the rest of the world. Of course, you can find out all the latest news and gossip here on the whole Refn show, and uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. We talk wrestling, and that's wrestle talk. Hashtag wrestle news and wrestle views. Yeah, that's right. So now we're going to tell you all about Fest Wrestling's latest show, Christmas in July. Coming to you from 8 Seconds in Gainesville, Florida on July 23rd, Fest Wrestling's latest Christmas in July. We are stoked about this show. Fest Wrestling is some of the best wrestling you're going to see any place. Uh, top-notch talent and just top-notch presentation, great atmosphere. You it's know, the most unique atmosphere in independent wrestling. Absolutely. You know how much Darren and I enjoy Fest Wrestling. We talk about it often on the show. We have a lot of wrestlers who participate in Fest Wrestling appearing on the show. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's the best. Fest is the best. And their latest super show, Christmas in July, is upon us. We're going to see familiar faces from Fest Wrestling, a lot of Fest favorites. We're also going to see several new faces. Nevertheless, we're going to see a lot of unique and interesting matchups. That's right. Even the familiar faces are put together in such a way that the matchups and the team-ups are incredible. And we definitely have some nice grudge matches to look forward to. Things that have been building and building and one hell of a main event. But let's get right into this card here. On this night, we are going to see the team of Revolt, made up of Caleb Conley and Zane Riley, tag up with Man Scout Jake Manning and take on the three-man team of Beastly, Colt Cabana, and Marion Fontaine. The last time we saw Revolt in action was the Battle for the Love Cup at Love is a Battlefield. We also saw Caleb Conley in a singles match at Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree. Absolutely, the first Fest show that we attended, which he, seemed like thousands of years ago. But Yeah, uh, that's for sure. That really did. So from, uh, from, a Chris, from a Fest Christmas show to a Fest Christmas in July show. Hey, we wait got a minute. Caleb Conley all the while. Caleb Conley on that night back in December lost in his attempt to take the Fest Championship off of Heidi Lovelace. A.K.A. Ruby Riot. Yes. And uh, then with Zane Riley, he is back with a vengeance here in Fest. And uh, we'll see how they operate uh, tagging up with Man Scout Jake Manning. Now, basically, we've seen it basically every Fest show that we've been to. That's right. Typically, he's involved in matches that involve Effie. Uh, so it's kind of weird to see them two not together or involved yeah. in any way. Um, Colt Cabana, uh, you may know from ROH, he's done plenty of indie shows before, apparently he has a podcast, I don't know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about other wrestling podcasts, anyway, um, and uh, they're with Marion Fontaine, and it, it's, it's gonna be a good match, for sure. Colt Cabana was a uh, big part of the first couple of Fest Wrestling shows, we have not seen him in the past several shows, so it will be a welcome back to Gainesville. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Also on the show, the governor, Martin Stone, governor. will be taking on Mr. 450 in a singles match. Mr. That's all I got. Governor Martin Stone has been wrestling on NXT lately as Danny Burch, 
which was his NXT name when he was there previously. Right. And he's, you know, he wrestled in the WWE UK Championship Tournament. That he did. And uh, we've seen him at some house shows as well as on NXT television. All right, 450 himself also uh, involved in WWE programming as he was on 205 Live. Made his 205 Live debut uh, some some months ago, though. He did suffer a leg injury, unfortunately. Uh, but apparently he is as good as new, if not better than ever. So we're really looking forward to seeing a revved up, ready to go, and do these 450s, Mr. 450 take on Martin Stone. Martin Stone was just tough as nails and just a brawler. Um, and 450, of course, has that kind of lucha style. Obviously, 450 is in his name. Um, so hopefully we get it to is see... It is his name. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we get to see... Uh, please, my father's Mr. 450. Hopefully we get to see that 450 happen. And uh, if Martin Stone has to say about it, we won't. In addition to uh, some 450s out of Mr. 450, I now want to see the aerial insanity of Darby Allen. Uh, Fest Wrestling posted online some clips of Darby Allen doing terrifying, suicidal-looking moves off of the top rope onto people on the outside, and uh, that's gnarly as hell. Darby Allen. This Sunday at Christmas in July, we'll be taking on Wolf Taylor. Of Awaken. Yeah, that's right. Wolf Taylor, who was the last man to join, or let's say the most recent right. man to join Awaken. Other, There could be others. There could be people in the crowd. Who will awaken and join Awaken, indeed. But Wolf Taylor, who turned on his partner Eric Cannon at Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree. Son of a bitch! He is now absolutely eyeballs deep, uh, or maybe even brain deep, brainwashed by Leon Scott, the leader of Awaken. Brain and, uh, deep. Do, doing uh, the dirty work. You know, he's a fool to do Leon Scott's <laughs> dirty work. Yes. But um, he's going to do it. Steely Dan. But Darby Allen, Darby Allen was actually in attendance at Fest Wrestling's Bring Your Mom mm. in May of this year. However, he was in quite a contraption around his arm. He looked like the $6 million man, and uh, or Bionic Commando, if you will, maybe Robocop. And uh, so, obviously, I do not know the extent of the injuries which had sidelined Darby Allen at that time, but uh, couldn't have been good because there were bones obviously being reset by pins. That was, uh, like I said, quite a mechanical uh, protuberance. Can't all be as tough as uh, Timmy Lou Retton, who wrestled with a cast on. But, <laughs> that's fine. Arm injuries seem to plague Bring Your Mom, as also Angel Rose had to cancel her appearance at the show due to an arm injury. So, uh, hopefully Darby Allen is uh, fit as a fiddle and takes on Wolf Taylor. And uh, may the best man win, as it is. Very excited to see Cauliflower Brown take on Omar Amir. Uh, two guys that, admittedly, I don't think we know a whole lot about. I, I'll i admit it. I right, don't and know. I don't like to say that on the podcast. I don't like to say, Darren, I don't know. Because typically it means, Darren, I don't know, pause, Google, <laughs> come back, record, hey, I know exactly what this is. No, we don't do that. <laughs> this show is not edited. Sure, I don't do that. Hey, uh, William S. Burroughs said, if you're editing, you're lying. Right. But at first he had, if you're editing, you're laying, and then he had to go back and edit that. 
And it said lying. <sighs> he had the wrong line. He meant lying on your back, not not telling the truth. Uh, he was a drunk. Anyway, uh, so looking forward a, to these two. He was uh, a junkie. <laughs> he was. Well, come on, all, all the all the best were junkies. Darren, come on. But he was the best junkie. You were the best of us. He wrote a book. He was the junkies. best junkie. That's, what is that even? <laughs> hey, you want to talk about commitment to character? Right. On the Instagram this week, I, I've been talking about a lot of people who committed to their characters. Okay. And we talk about that a lot on this show. And Goldust was a good example from the uh, whole reference show Instagram this week. But if you want to talk about committing to character, let's step outside of wrestling for a second and look at the world of literature. Look at the beat author, William S. Burroughs. The man became a junkie so he could write a book about what it was like to be a junkie. Mm-hmm. That's commitment. That is commitment. That's kayfabe. That is kayfabe. Uh, that dude is, is, is kayfabe as the Iron Sheik, for sure. Uh, McLeod Vlad Brown and Omar Amir, looking forward to it. Uh, if they're in fests, then that means that promoter, Tony Weinbender, who's got, a, who's got the eye for talent, Thinks these guys can put on a great show, and I'm looking forward to it. He does. Tony is not booking duds. No. He's booking dudes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, dudettes. <laughs> no. Tony is booking the best talent from independent wrestling across the country. And that, like you said, you, you may not know who somebody is going into a fest show. You leave knowing exactly who somebody is because they are given... The spotlight, they are given the moment, the the, the time. Absolutely. And uh, everybody loves what Fest is offering them, and so they're giving it right back. They're giving it to Fest, the entity. They're giving it to the Fest fans, mm-hmm. the Fest family. They're giving it to Tony. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So while we might not have a lot to say this week, right. when we review this show, I'm sure... Oh, absolutely. It's just like Roscoe Eat Lisa. We didn't know much about them going into Bring Your Mom. Love those guys. Now we can't get enough. Ugly Ducklings, same exact thing. And the Ugly Ducklings are making a return appearance here at Xmas in July. Uh, as the Ugly Ducklings, which are Lance Lude and Rob Killjoy, along with Coach Mikey, of course. The lovable Coach Mikey, the uh, loquacious... Uh, <laughs> Coach Mikey. Uh, they actually team up with Jonathan Cruz of Team Lucha. Jonathan Cruz, I want to say flying solo on this one, but that's not true. He's flying with two ducklings. That's right. So he's certainly not and one uh, flying solo. And one coach, indeed. Um, but it's uh, this is actually a triple threat uh, I don't know how to say this properly. It's a nine-person tag match. It's three teams of three. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the rules will be. I'm sure they'll be explained to us, or they will become evident once the match gets underway. Or there's going to be just no tag format, and this is going to be complete chaos. Either way, I'm happy. Well, I was about to say, I think I might like that final description the best. Right. Uh, well, they take on the likes of Desmond Xavier, and uh, Pop Culture, Pop Culture, better known as Jason Cade and Veda Scott. Uh, Desmond Xavier, who just wrestled at Wrestle Circus, Dive Hard with a Vengeance, uh, and uh, did a great job there. Jason Cade, Veda Scott are fixtures of uh, Fest Wrestling, and uh, they always do a great job, always see great things out of them. 
They're taking on Zicky Dice and Tech, which of course stands for three equally charming heterosexuals. That's right. Of course, Tech is Mike Monroe, Trevor Reed, and their manager, Jim Sherbert. Yes, and uh, we would like to apologize to uh, Jim Sherbert for referring to him as Jim Sherbert. Right. Uh, on our last review for Fest Wrestling's Bring Your Mom. Sherbert, what were we thinking? I don't know. We were just hungry for dessert. Um, so, man, this the stage is set for this one. All these uh, talented folks involved. It's going to be a barn burner. I hope 8 Seconds has insurance. Uh, or a it's fire a extinguisher. It's like a barn. Handy, yeah. It might burn. It actually is a giant barn with a mechanical bull and a wrestling ring. In a match that was very similar to this one at Fest Wrestling's Bring Your Mom with tag teams galore, the Ugly Ducklings actually came out on top. So we'll see if they can do it again. Can you do it two shows in a row? Ducklings, quack, quack. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, we got a six-man scramble match for uh, number one contendership to the Fest Wrestling Championship, and that is between some very talented folks, Leo Rush, Angel Rose, Chuck Taylor, Teddy Stigma, friend of the show, Vandal from Awaken, and Sammy Callahan, the Worldwide Desperado. All right. <laughs> I, while you were naming those participants in this match, I was sitting here trying not to hyperventilate. This match... That, folks, this happens off. ...is incredible. Right. No, absolutely. First of all, any match that has the importance attached to it of number one contendership to the title is a big deal. Then you put these six competitors in this match... I, I'm just anxious to see how they all stack up against one another. Then, just the impressive resumes of all of these people. I mean, Leo Rush, who at the last show brought his CZW world title. Angel Rose, who we see on GFW programming as part of LAX. Chuck Taylor, your current pro wrestling gorilla champion. Sammy Callahan who is literally everywhere. Vandal can be seen on NXT television at any given time, and Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, he, you talk about a fest darling, this guy embodies that fest feel. And Teddy, uh, again, obviously we're a little biased, Teddy is a friend of the show, but... He's gonna he's gonna come into this match as physically the most imposing. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean oh well? Of course, the big man's not cannot match up with uh, the uh, aerial acrobatics of the much smaller Leo Rush or Angel Rose bullshit. Mm -hmm. We saw Teddy Stigma do an amazing top rope moonsault to the outside at the last Fest show. Uh, you know Chuck Taylor wrestled early on in Fest Wrestling's history. This will be. The first time I have ever watched Chuck Taylor wrestle in person. I'm so excited to see him live. Should be pretty good. A lot of talent here. A lot of high flyers. Sammy Callahan is kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to his wrestling style. He can go brawler. He can go technical. He can go hardcore. It just kind of he has like just a dial. He just turns it to whatever he needs for that match. It's very cool. Stigma is, like you said, is a darling to, to Fest Wrestling. You know, he's kind of Fest Wrestling's Kevin Nash. 
Um, he really is in a lot of ways. He's, yeah, he's, he's the big, big man. He's cool. He's got the the pants, right? The leather pants, and wears the t shirt. Yeah, uh huh. But a little bit of a little bit of old Scott Hall with the booze. Uh, oh, well, hey, 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 hey. Come on. Hey, hey, they made it part of his gimmick for a while, okay? So I don't want to hear that. Uh, obviously, Scott Hall is a recovering alcoholic. I'm not making fun of that. But, um, no, he's kind of, he kind of is a Hall and Nash combination. I mean, the, more, the more I think about it, that actually is pretty accurate. Um, but anyway, he definitely has that machismo going for him. And uh, he's got his bottle of uh, uh, Evan Williams as well to help him out. Uh, in case he needs it. Hopefully I'm there to get a shot from Teddy Sigma. Friend of the show, that'd be really nice. Uh, we're rooting for Teddy in this one, right? Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to see Teddy win this match just because, hey, old T-Sticks. Friend of the show! If any of you guys want to be on the show, become friend of the shows, we're rooting for you. <laughs> that's, that's how easy it is. Uh, speaking of friend of the show, friend of the show, Effie is taking on Awakens leader Leon Scott in a Fans Bring the Party weapons match. Oh, man. Uh, Intensity in 10 cities, live at Budokan. Effie, the golden boy of Grabass, the feminist icon, the feminist icon. Effie is taking on Leon Scott one-on-one. 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 No Awaken. And I, I trust that Awaken is going to be held at bay somehow. Well, first of all, don't trust Awaken. Well, ever. Okay? No, they're going to they beat up the Randy Savages. You're, you're, <laughs> that's true. That's true. A band. They're, these are not wrestlers. Hey, the, the Randy Savages retaliated with the nice elbow drop from the top rope during the uh, Awaken Effie and Friends match, which we forgot to mention on the review show. I don't know how we missed that spot, so... Randy Savages, please forgive us. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, uh, Leon Scott is ruthless. He's cutting. He's without he, Ruth. Yes, he will do whatever it takes to win this match. And uh, Effie, though, Effie left Bring Your Mom pretty pissed off. I've never seen Effie quite so upset. In fact, he actually called for this match. And he said, you know what, Leon, you're going to make me bleed. I'm going to hit you with everything I can think of. All right, what are the fans going to bring? Oh, oh. I mean. Well, I know what we're going to bring, Darren. Oh, mah, 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 oh mah, I mah, know mah, what mah, we're bringing. Mah, 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 mah. <laughs> Soda? Just you watch, dear listeners. Just yes. you watch. Or just you listen to what we say that we brought on the review show. Um, but those of you who are going to be at Fest Wrestling... It yourself, yeah, you'll get to see. You'll oh man, see. if you How are, are if, you bringing? If you are within Gainesville, if you are four, if you are twenty hours away from Gainesville, just go to Gainesville and watch this. You're not going to be disappointed. Fest Wrestling is going to be one of the funnest shows you will ever attend. The crowd is so alive. The wrestlers really feed off that vibe. It's just such a great time. It's it's just like a, a, a three four hour party, and you're having fun the entire time. Absolutely, and if there is a uh, a, a dark a dark cloud that's going to happen at any point in this party, it is this match, and I mean that in the best way because I mean it's going to be hellacious. These men absolutely hate one another. Effie and Leon Scott, oh my god, like it is palpable, and. Uh, when they have all the weapons that the fans could possibly bring along with them at their disposal, 
Like, I can't wait. Absolutely. So, I mean, the wrestling here is going to be top-notch. A lot of great people showing up for this. Be there, man, for the party. And a fest show is not complete without a punk band, of course, playing Intermission. I have to mention that Pyre is going to be playing the Intermission on this show. Uh, looking forward to it, man. If they're, I mean, again, Tony Weinbender, he, he's been promoting forever and he knows how to how to bring people to the party and people that everyone are going to enjoy. Man, I, I'm psyched. Can't wait for it, man. Yeah. I mean, they, they won't all be dressed up like Randy Savage singing songs about Randy Savage <laughs> from the perspective of Randy Savage, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. So looking forward to listening to Pyre for sure. But the card is not yet complete, folks. No, 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 because. Sue Young, the Fest champion, the reigning Fest champion, the holder of the greatest prize in all of Fest wrestling. Absolutely, defeating Heidi Lovelace, aka Ruby Riot, for that title, which she has successfully defended against the likes of Jessica Havoc, against the likes of Sammy Callahan. Now must face Holiday from the darkness. Holiday. If you've seen a picture of Holiday, you know how terrifying this girl looks. It's very it's it's almost like a like a mirror image because they're both just these insane like <laughs> dead undead painted-faced monsters, you know? They are monsters. Right. And this it's a very interesting main event for an independent uh wrestling organization, especially one like Fest, very hip, right. very smart, definite edge to it. But that, I think, is the brilliance of who gets booked on these shows and what they bring to a show like this. It's not, uh, it's the, the gimmicks are not gimmicky. It's not cartoony. You can have face paint and be undead, and it is, uh, it's a party, man. Absolutely. It is, it is, uh, it is it somehow, it has a very realistic tinge to it uh that is relatable despite it maybe some otherworldliness that it might have and uh that's super cool hey man we all have alter egos it's just you know these two have alter egos that are absolutely terrifying uh sue young of course friend of the show uh, she's been on the show she's interviewed by us before uh fest wrestling bring your mom what a great interview. If you haven't checked that out, do so. You learn a lot about Sue and about Fest Wrestling. We are very happy to call her a friend of the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Sue Young, friend of the show. Uh, and she's taking on Holiday. And every match I've seen with Holiday on the indies, uh, super impressed. This woman has got a great skill set. And I'm really looking forward to her bringing this skill set to Fest. Oh, for sure. And she made it very clear very shortly after the last fest event that that was her intention. Ah, oh yeah. She took great. to the internet and we got a challenge, a direct challenge yeah, man. to Sue Young and her fest championship out of Holiday. She means serious business. She goes where she wants, when she wants, and says whatever she wants to whomever she wants. Absolutely. Just kind of... <laughs> breaking up the, the regular order of business to basically come out and just say, Zoo Young, I want you. And There has been no shortage of challenges to come out of Holiday's mouth for Sue Young. She means, her, she, she means what she says. She says what she means. Absolutely. So these two, that is your main event. Super psyched about all of this. I mean, the main event alone is worth the price of admission. Plus you have the rest of the card. 
It is going to be awesome. So be there or be bereft of an excellent wrestling event story to remember forever. That's on you. Because if you go, you're going to become a fan of Fest Wrestling. So we want you to be there. We hope that you're there. So be there. Believe me, you want to be there. We want you to be there. If you can't make it, please join us next week and you can hear all about what went down at Christmas in July. Absolutely. On the next episode, we will give a full recounting review of the rave that is Fest Wrestling Expos in July. And uh, Fest, they're going to make a fan out of you. And uh, they have a lot of fans, of course, in the area. And the fan base is growing. And speaking of fans, we actually have a fan, uh, like I told you uh, earlier, a fan who actually uh, reached out to me, emailed me, and said, Hey, big fan of Fest, big fan of the show. Can I be on the show? And I said, what, what better time than our Fest Review episode? Yeah. Uh, her name is Holly. Uh, so, yeah, we got Holly on the phone. So let's get this uh, the technical stuff set up. And, uh, okay. So I guess we're going to turn things over to, to Holly. Uh, Holly, thank you for calling in to the whole ref and show. How are you? <laughs> you have no idea how I am. Harry and Darren, I am finally on the whole reffing show. You know, I have a bit of an earache because I can't help but hear you keep talking about your friend of the show, Sue Young. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I feel a little discriminated against boys, and that's that's just not nice to do. Oh, boy. Uh, well, folks, I don't have to tell you who this is. This is obviously Sue Young's opponent for Fest Wrestling's Christmas in July. This is Holiday calling in. Oh, Thank man. you for inviting me to the show. You know, I can't be a friend of the show. I guess I'm not cool like Sue. You guys like the undead. I guess the dark side is not good enough for you. Is that what you're saying? Because you're starting to hurt my feelings just a smidget. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, uh, well, I can't f help but feel uh, a little duped here. I, I mean, this is quite a surprise. I was not at all prepared for this. I mean, we, we definitely like to... You should feel more than a little duped. You should feel ashamed of yourself for not calling me. Why did I have to call you? Because I... it's the whole reffing show? <laughs> the dark side is not pleased at all, gentlemen. You know what? I'm going to take this anger. <laughs> I'm not going to let it manifest. I will let it manifest to July 23rd when it's Christmas in July. And I am face to face with your friend of the show, <laughs> Sue Young. What do you think about that? Huh? Obviously, obviously a credible threat. Uh, however, Sue Young... Uh, to be Fest champion, has defeated the likes of of Heidi Lovelace, who had to change her name to Ruby Riot and run to NXT. She's beaten Jessica Havoc. She's beaten Sammy Callahan. How do you think you can beat the undead bride, Sue Young? Well, I gotta say, clap, clap, bravo to Sue Young. She has beat a lot of people. But, you know, <laughs> not to sound like I have chips on my shoulders or anything. But sometimes being in the darkness, you get overlooked. You get overshadowed. <laughs> but I have all the respect in the world for the undead bride. But you know what? <laughs> to be reborn, you must die. And Sue Young 
We are going, who we are going to play on the dark side, sweetie. I am going to take you to another level. I hope she is ready to play. I know she's listening because she's a friend of the show, as you have said so many times. <laughs> I hope she is ready. I'll bring her a couple presents, and I plan on taking one back myself. <laughs> you can tell her that. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure Sue is listening, and she already knows you're coming for that Fest championship. Uh, so I guess we can expect a walk on the dark side, Darren. Uh, apparently. I mean, I'm terribly sorry. Here on the whole ref and show, we definitely try to call things, you, you know. You should be sorry. Right down you the are, middle. You're exactly right. We I'm are, glad you noticed and made it aware. We, Thank you. We are sorry, Aladad. We are, we are not underestimating you. And we're cheering for you, uh, you know, both of you guys. We got to call it down the I middle. Don't believe you, you know, I don't, I don't need your cheers. You can keep it to your friend of the show because you know you want to be biased. That's fine. <laughs> I don't need anyone on my side. I got me and my demons, and we're fighting together. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I don't need anything from you. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess we're gonna find out what's gonna happen between Holiday and Sue Young at Fest Wrestling. Christmas in July. It's it's supposed to be a happy, cheerful time. It is. It's this weekend. It's upon us. It's gonna be happy. It's gonna be cheerful. Presents are gonna be given out. Beatings are gonna be given out. Who knows what else? Christmas in July. July twenty third. I'll be there. I plan on leaving with a shiny new president myself. Wow. I, uh, Sue. Uh, you, all I'm saying is that Sue better be prepared for this, and I'm probably going to be wearing a disguise because <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm terrified. I'm I'm a little scared too. I have voice recognition. Wear the disguise all you want. Oh no! It should not do you any favors. Oh okay? man! Jesus. Well, after the unholy matrimony Sue and I have, I will be looking for both of you personally. Uh, know that, gentlemen. Oh know my. that, and sleep well on it. Thank you, Miss Holliday. Um, You're very welcome being graced with the dark side. And remember, gentlemen, at the whole reppin' show, the dark side is the best side. Wow. Man, I'm I'm legit scared right now. I don't know. I don't know know what that'll continue on. Uh, Yeah, I think our next uh, financial investment for the whole reppin' show should be a call screener. I was going to say that or a bodyguard <laughs> of some sort. Uh, dear listeners, uh, we will not let the recent occurrence adversely affect having uh, some of you who may not be uh, hostile professional wrestlers <laughs> that just want to call and uh, you know chat with us. Right. We will still have other listeners on the show in the future, but... Boy, that was uh, wow! That was that was something that, ca- that caught me off guard. God, her name was Holly. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, so yeah. I mean, we can talk about fest forever, but really, it's something you have to experience for yourself once more. That is fest wrestling. Christmas in July, July 23rd at eight seconds in Gainesville, Florida. Tickets are on sale. Go to the fest website and purchase them now. Stop listening, purchase, and then come back and finish listening. Uh, And speaking of Fest Wrestling, folks, we have part two of our interview with Rich Bokini, a.k.a. Rich Brennan from WWE NXT. Currently, though, Rich is the voice of Fest Wrestling. 
And in part two here, we get all into indie wrestling and specifically a spotlight on Fest Wrestling. Um, and he's got plenty of good things to say about Fest, just as we've got good things to say about Fest. And uh, we also learned about Rich's podcast that he has as well. We're okay with him having a podcast. It's okay to talk about. Podcast Brother! Yay! Which is the J.J. Dillon Show on the MLW Radio Network. So, without further ado, part two of our interview with Rich Bocchini. Um, so, let's transition, because you transition. Unfortunately, your time with WWE does come to an end. Um, so, you hit... Uh, it was almost like a weight off my shoulders, I will say that. As disappointed as I was... It was almost like a weight off my shoulders. I'm sure it kind of it was kind of like it was as cool as it sounds to anyone. Like, oh, you work with WWE. There's also a lot of negative uh, that comes with that as well, where it, it kind of takes the fun out of wrestling because it is production meeting. Production meeting changes. You fuck up. A lot can happen. You hear from a lot of bosses and their bosses' bosses and their bosses' bosses. Triple H, Vince McMahon, all that stuff. I assume. I, I don't know, but I assume that's what. No, that's it. Okay, well, there you go. That's it. Okay, great. You're, um, never, <laughs> you're, you're, you're usually never right. Oh, even, wow. even when you're right, it's the it's the it's the Trump way of doing things. Up is down, down is up, right. and you're never quite <laughs> sure which direction it is. Fair enough. So, fair enough. Listen, I, I I had a blast. Super thankful, super appreciative that I was there. Um, again, I'll just kind of leave it general. It was a weight off my shoulders in many ways when when I left. Okay. When sure. I was let go. Absolutely. Yes. Sure. So unfortunately slash fortunately, right? You you've parted ways with the WWE, and um, do you think you're done? In wrestling, what what are your thoughts, uh, regardless of the actual exit from WWE? What are, what are your next thoughts? What do I do now? Okay, <laughs> um, totally I fair. 60, I, I I had I didn't even get the ninety days. I got sixty days, which was nice of them, I guess. They could have given me thirty, uh, but I, I I got paid for sixty days, and that was luckily long enough for me to land a, a, another gig. I do sports radio updates now. Um, when I actually got offered that gig the day my last paycheck cleared oh wow which was like yeah it's weird how things work out meant to be um, absolutely you know i was kind of burned out from wrestling at that point although i you know i i i reached out to uh to ring of honor i like what they do um and i'd heard a couple things you know tna is going to be rebranding and blah 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 but nothing really, nothing really happened. Like I said, I, I, I had talked to a couple people at uh, at Ring of Honor, and I, I don't know if I'd say that there that there that there is or that there was interest there or, or, or whatever. But you know, I mean, Ian Riccoboni is there, does a great job. Kevin Kelly's still kind of there. I mean, this not really a place. And when it comes to wrestling, really, where are you going to go? You can go to Ring of Honor if you're if you're an announcer. You can go to Ring of Honor potentially. You can go to TNA. Besides that, like, where are you going to go to make a full time living? Right. Okay, there's nowhere. Right. There's, there's really there's really nowhere to do it. Um, so for me at that point, it was kind of like, all right, I don't really want to be done with wrestling, but I I do want to take a sabbatical from it. And I think I said that in, in, in an interview that, you know, it's a wrestling sabbatical for me. Um, so for that entire summer, I just, I mean, I didn't watch it. I kept up very minimally. I did a handful of interviews. Like I kept up on the dirt sheets and stuff, but I didn't really watch it. The turning point for me was uh, with was Fest Wrestling. And I know, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but Fest was really the turning point for me. And the way that I kind of got involved in that was, was kind of weird. A, fr- a friend of mine, uh, Mike Campbell, who uh, he's uh, married to Laura, Laura Stevenson, who's a, a, a singer, guitarist. 
And at the time, she was on tour with Matt Pond, PA, big Matt Pond, PA fan. I was still with WWE at this point. Um, and Mike played bass for Matt on that tour. They played Jacksonville. My wife and I went up to Jacksonville to see him. And just through tweeting, Mike saw a tweet. Turns out he's a huge wrestling fan, so we become friends. <laughs> um, he, you know, fast forwarded like a year or whatever. He sends me a note and says, hey, I'm going to be with uh, my old band is playing a reunion show at Fest. And for those that, that don't, I'm assuming most people know what Fest is. But if you don't know what Fest is, there's Fest Wrestling, but there's Fest, the big three-day indie rock punk fest. Right. Um, so he says to me, hey, I'm, we're, we're, we're playing we're playing the show. It's up in Gainesville. You should come hang out. Cool. Sends an email to Tony, Tony Weinbender. And I had actually met Tony at a Stark NXT show about two years before, which is it's all it all come, goes around. It's weird. Absolutely. How it all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all so, about Stark. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all it's all about Stark. So uh, he sends an email to, to Tony says, hey, can you hook up Rich with, you know, with the guest list pass or whatever? And Tony shoots me an email back and says, hey, we're, you know, we're doing wrestling at Fest. Would you have any interest in doing commentary? I'm like, hmm, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> Don't really know who most of these indie guys are. I said, I'll tell you what. Take care of me for Fest for the weekend. Hook my wife up with a pass and I'll do it. It wasn't even like, you know, what are you paying me? Whatever. It's like, nah, you know, there's a bunch of bands that were playing that I... I'd always wanted to see Knapsack, for instance. Um, Sam I Am played. I'd always wanted to see them. A bunch of other bands that I wanted to see. It's like, you know what? I'll go and I'll do this. If I have fun, great. If I don't, I never have to do it again. And then I, I can be done with it and I can, can be like, whatever. I went and had a blast. And that, here I am talking to you guys today. I've started doing Wrestle Circus and I'm kind of, you know, involved in a, in, in a few other things here and there. Um, so it really it was fast and fast wrestling that really brought me back in uh, to to really rediscovering what I love about wrestling, why I got involved in the first place, why I started watching it in the first place, why I'm a fan to begin with. And at this point, if something happens with you know with the Ring of Honor or somebody else, I doubt I'll ever end up back at WWE. I mean, you always hear "never say never," but I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I, I no almost said never say never. I'm glad I didn't say it just now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the oldest cliche in WWE parlance because it's true. Um, but I doubt that I'll that I'll ever end up there. So you know, if if I ever get a chance to do something with Ring of Honor or somebody else or whatever, awesome. And if I don't, I'm having so much fun doing the indie stuff right now. Can you make a living at it? Maybe the wrestlers can. I don't think an announcer can. But I'm just having fun going and doing it and hanging out with cool people. And being part of something that, um, being part of something that I love, and being part of something that's a lot of fun. That's awesome, and that's very important. Also, it's it's great to to be able to do what you love and what you're good at, which is commentary, and also love what you're seeing, and not have multiple voices barking in your ears to tell you that things have changed or this is going to happen, or make sure you say this. And that, that's that's cool. I mean, obviously, the money is not what it was, but it's it's cool that it's it's like your it's like your I don't want to say starving artist, but you're you're doing your art and you're enjoying your art. I'm I'm, I'm having fun, and now I'm kind of the guy that's like, we have to hit this, we have to hit that. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, no, you you're know, the or, Michael or, Cole. Or, 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 or I'll go back and I'll watch something, and you know I'll go back and watch the show and call up, you know Max, who I do color with it at Fest, who's awesome. He's gotten really really good. 
um, or you know Lance Hoyt, who I'm doing stuff with with Russell Circus. Like I'll listen back and I'll be like, all right, we missed this. We should have gotten this in here because like the mechanics of calling a match don't change. You you said I'm good at commentary. There's probably I appreciate that. There's probably just as many people that think I'm terrible. But hey, Rich. And, and, oh, and, hey, Rich. When it comes to, when it comes <laughs> to criticism, just remember this: not everyone likes Gone with the Wind, right? That's true. There you go. Yeah, that's true. You if go. you're comparing me to Gone in the Wind, thank you. I am. Um, <laughs> but you know, but I'm the guy now that that's like, even with the shows in general, because I'm so so used to, um, things, things flowing in a way that when I do shows that that don't flow, um, in a lot of ways I feel like I can take what I learned at WWE and apply that to some of the indie shows um because there, there's there's a lot of indie shows that i see that like do an entrance and then it takes them two minutes to cue up the music and then the music starts and then you're just kind of waiting around you're like what the hell's going on or we've seen it we've seen it yeah, mat- <laughs> yeah or mat- matches that go on for just way too long and so I, I i look at things even critically now um as much fun as i'm having i'm still very much of the mindset well what can I do to make it better? And I, I don't try to be one of these guys that, well, I was at WWE, so I know better than you. It's not that at all, but it's like, okay, I think that we can do this better, this better, this better. Sometimes it's shooting for the moon with, with, with indie stuff for a million different reasons. Um, but I've also learned to appreciate and have fun with some of that stuff as well. And then that, that also proves that you're enjoying yourself. If you want to improve the product and, and you want to have ideas and try to make things work better some people would just kind of show up. Okay, where do I sit? Okay, I talk. Okay, I'm done. Goodbye. Like, there's pay me. Too, there, there's way too much of that in, 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 in indie wrestling, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, promotions that'll just turn on a video camera and here's a mic. And it's not really plugged into anything that sounds good. And, and it's just two guys popping each other. That doesn't do anything for the promotion. It doesn't do anything for the guys in the ring does nothing for the people listening home if anything it makes them turn it off or mm-hmm. it makes them at least mute it um so i at least for me I, I try to at least bring some sort of format or professional um attitude to it but on the same hand you don't want to be too professional or too i guess stiff on on the on the indie circuit you got to be a little more loose and have a little more fun with it um Again, for me, like there's certain roads I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to. I do my best to avoid being the goofy, crass. Let's pop the boys in the back, indie announcer. I think that's shit. Um, but that said, we'll still have fun with other times. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, you know you don't have to go out there and say, and obviously you don't want to, and uh, but you don't want to go out there and have to say, hey, I did it the WWE way. I worked, you know, at the the apex of the mountain. Um, but it, it, your professionalism and your contributions are going to show that sort of effortlessly because once you've learned that, that's how you operate, it's just going to kind of rub off on other people. And if you do it in such a way that you're not a self-promoter, then it's going to be received well, especially and uh, you know, in our observations of Fest Wrestling, uh, an organization that runs with feedback and input from everyone that type of thing is not only uh, allowed; it's desired, it's respected. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm finding now too that 
like even when I started in the in the indies, some of the locker rooms, like you'd have some of these guys that thought they were king shit, and they'd be back there, and I don't know, didn't necessarily get the best vibe from them necessarily, and you could kind of tell that they were trying to trying to run the show and just try. I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. I see less of that now. I see more of like everybody coming together, and there's still an element of that that, that exists. I think. But for the most part, even all the promotions, you're seeing promotions working together for the most part, um, being supportive of one another, recognizing each other's championships on different shows. That that just helps everybody. It's almost like a return to the territory system, um, despite the fact that the territories didn't acknowledge each other necessarily. Right. right. Now, you know, they might say, oh, he's been in Florida for whatever. They never really acknowledge he's the champion here or whatever. Now, you know, you're starting to see where like Wrestle Circus will, will acknowledge the the CZW champion or, you know, Joey Ryan at the last show, you know, defended three titles, the DDT pro iron heavy metal weight title and the, um, you know, the pro wrestling revolver to all that stuff. So you're starting to see more of that. Well, you could and say that he defended them, but, uh, <laughs> say what? I can hear you. What? You could say that he defended them, but <laughs> another way well, to say it is he lost all of them. <laughs> he lost all three. He lost all three. Right. Yep. And, uh, that's another thing too. I'll talk. I, I've, I've, just a quick tangent i've started i've learned to enjoy joey ryan i know a lot of people give him shit um you know for the the dong destroyer or the, sure the you porn plex or whatever it's it's, look, it's ridiculous i remember the first time i saw it i was like the fuck is this this is stupid <laughs> but on the same hand as he points out how does an irish whip work and if we can believe that the undertaker can be buried alive and be you know uh lofted to the heavens and then come back in a bolt of lightning. Why can't we believe that that this guy is, you know, my storyline for him is he's he's a he's an ex porn star who was struck by lightning and now his member is this incredibly strong thing that he can flip people with. Well, there you why go. Why is that right? Why is that so ridiculous? I know it's ridiculous, but why is that so hard to believe when we can believe all these other scenarios in wrestling? Right. No, so there, there's have fun, just have fun with it. No, there there definitely is a, a place for Joey Ryan in the world of wrestling. There's a place for everyone in wrestling, really. I mean, I mean, we've kind of already seen every every avenue you know explored and and uh, used. Um, and, and, and back to your saying about the different uh, you know indies acknowledging each other, and and that's great advertising for each other as well. But I I think everyone's kind of getting the sense that man. All these indies are super, super hot right now. Indies have never been this hot before, and none of us are directly competing with WWE. So that means right. we're all together in this. So we need to yep. all become this. We need to become the indies, and that itself is a force to be reckoned with. You know, it, it really is, and, and you know, you're starting to see it. So like Fest, um, Wrestle Circus, Pro Wrestling Revolver, which is Sammy Callahan's thing. Uh, Sammy Callahan's been super super helpful to me as well kind of transitioning a little bit more into the indies uh he and i get along real well at nxt from nxt days and, um, absolutely yep yep so and funny thing with him, him is i actually ran into him at the february fest show and i hadn't seen him since nxt and i had texted him a couple of times and never heard back from him geez i i wonder if i have heat with him <laughs> i thought well, i always thought we got along so he comes walking into into the building in gainesville and he says holy shit rich he comes over and gives me a hug and i'm like dude i texted you like a couple times to see what's up or whatever and never never heard from you and he shows me his text and he had like it's like a thousand missed texts and he's like dude it's non-stop so we t- so now now we talk on on, on, a, on a fairly uh, consistent basis um so sammy's a big help but again you're seeing czw wrestle circus uh fest pro wrestling revolver um 
Michael Elgin's company, Glory Pro. A lot of these different companies that were acknowledging each other and everybody's kind of, you know, Defy out in Seattle. There's a handful of other ones as well that are starting to come together. And even if guys aren't necessarily maybe working from promotion to promotion, there's that, you feel that there's that that support and there's that solidarity that's there that we're all trying to do the same thing. And let's make this better for everybody because if we all work together, I know it's, you know, Pollyanna and whatever, but seriously, if everybody kind of comes together, <laughs> it, it really is better for everybody. And now you have more guys that are probably making a living as far as workers go on the indies that, you know, you could argue the territory or their guys making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year. But for the first time since that era, you're starting to see guys who can legitimately work the indies and make an, make an okay living. Absolutely. And with all the indies kind of working hand in hand and trying new ideas and every wrestler is advertising on social media that you know all their fans are all their fans are seeing them wrestle at shows like finding out about new talent then going to see those shows and it all kind of helps each other um and and the very cool thing about the indies and specifically wrestle circus i gotta say is wrestle circus kind of had the great idea of putting their product on twitch on the twitch platform and you called that uh dive hard with a vengeance uh, mm-hmm. Which was a fantastic show, uh, landmark show because it was it was Twitch uh, sponsored, wasn't it? Yeah, Twitch was involved. Um, it's it's official if that makes sense. Right. I don't really know the the ins and outs of the business deal, but yeah, it's not just like we're putting the show on Twitch. Like Twitch was involved in the right promoting it or whatever. But I, I think I think it's worth it's definitely noteworthy and worth mentioning because I mean Darren and I talked about it on the show like. Putting wrestling on Twitch is just this whole new way of getting indie wrestling out there. And if you have all these indies doing the same thing, it kind of becomes its own WWE network. So I think like a, there's a lot of potential there if everyone decides to utilize it. And I told Tony at Fest Wrestling, he needs to do it as well. It's just another way to get out there, man. There, there's, there's talk about it. Tony and I have talked a little bit about what the steps are. Um, the, the mistake that a lot of promotions make i think is thinking that it's easy to do um and i mean if you just go bare bones like i said you can just plug in a camera and a mic and it is but that's not an enjoyable view no. for anybody um the last couple wrestle circus shows and we're trying to get stuff streamlined and to get but you probably noticed there were a couple video packages um we have graphics in between matches now and yet yeah, does it flow exactly kind of like like i would want it to as a, as a tv production or a show production we still have a ways to go, but that's kind of my fingerprint on there in, in a way where I've tried to like, let's have sort of a format. So for the person at home, like in between matches, for instance, so it's not just like a camera showing the ring, let's have an interview or simple stuff, but the steps it takes to get there, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts to make that happen. And then even just to stream something online the right way, um, you need a switcher. You need somebody sitting there running the, the a thing director, to switch absolutely. camera angles. Yeah, yeah. It has to be. It has to be lit somewhat right. The camera angles. The, there's the whole 180 rule when 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 you shoot. Like you don't want you don't want the one of the moving camera guys shooting opposite hard cam. And a lot of people don't think about that stuff. Um, so that you know that th- those are some of the things that I'm trying to trying to bring forward. Um, I don't want to take credit for whatever but i'm like hey let's try this let, let, let's do that at, at wrestle circus let's try to make this thing as good as it can be because at the end of the day like i said you don't want you don't want to feel like you're watching somebody's phone feed like somebody's holding up a phone right. and you're watching indie wrestling right you want it to look like 
and again, it doesn't have to be all the bells and whistles like WWE, but you want it to be somewhat of a production. At least I do. Yeah. And if that's if that's not the vision that somebody else wants, then so be it. Um, that's what I try to bring to it. So, long story short, if Fest is going to get there, which I think we will, um, there there's steps that we need to take to get. Like first thing that you have to make sure of before anything, the building that you're running, do they have fast enough internet? Because I, I've legit seen people show up to try to do a show, and then they find out the internet sucks. And then the stream sucks, and you look like you look like an idiot for promoting this thing in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I will say that having watched Dive Hard with a Vengeance, if that is your fingerprint on Wrestle Circus, is a very large one, a very successful one, and a very noticeable one. Um, and I would like to either be the first to applaud you, or I'd like to join in on the applause because I said that the entire time we were watching that show is I did not expect this to look this sharp and move this well. Um, and I'd heard perfectly good things about Wrestle Circus as a wrestling organization, but here I am thinking, okay, it's Twitch. It's the first time they've ever done it. It's the first time anyone has done it. There's no way, <laughs> you know, it might be a good show. There's no way this is going to be a great show production-wise. And then it was. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I could see you could tighten this. You could sweeten this. But damn, I was impressed. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I got to give props to uh, to Luke Hawkins, who um, he runs IShootWrestling.com. So if there's any promoters out there listening, saying, "Geez, how can I stream my stuff?" Luke's out of Dallas. I don't know how far he's willing to drive, but uh, IShootWrestling.com. <laughs> I, I think his website is up, or he's at least on Twitter. But Luke, uh, he's a workhorse, and he's been super, super uh, great to work with. Um, so. It's not, it's not me. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, let's try to do this. But he's the guy that's actually really getting in there and, and, and making it happen. Now, you know, Al's, Al and Lexi that run Russell, Russell Circus have been like, this is your thing. You guys make this, you know, and, and if he has something to say, that, then, then, then he'll tell us or whatever. But so far, he's been great with like, let's just make this thing as good as it can be. And Tony, Tony's the same way with Best. And that's great to hear. And uh, I shoot wrestling.com. He's also got the uh, the perfect domain. Um, so <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So a bit Real more guy. bit more about Fest Wrestling. Uh, as you said, we're coming up on Christmas in July. Uh, Fest Wrestling, for those who don't know, I mean if you're a listener on our show, you know all about Fest. We constantly talk about it. Uh, it's it's you know our favorite indie, you know, hands down. Uh, just it's it's such a great vibe. It definitely, as uh, Rich mentioned earlier, it has the punk rock element to it because Fest itself is a punk rock show uh, that Tony Weinbender, the promoter, uh, has been promoting for forever it seems. And he was always a wrestling fan, and now he does his own wrestling, which is Fest Wrestling, and it is awesome. And like we said, it's the closest thing you'll get to ECW minus you know scaffold matches and <laughs> i was gonna say people jumping off of very high places but that's not true no 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 because that's team not true lucha, at all. team lucha did that. that happened absolutely jumped off yep. the second story which was insane it happened right in my face um <laughs> so yeah the pbr is flowing uh the that punk rock element is there uh down to a punk rock uh, intermission um by the randy savages which was awesome um, yep. And just the wrestler, the caliber wrestler is great. Tony knows who he wants to get into the into the show, and and you're man, you're never let down by a, a, a fest wrestling show. And the the bar gets higher and higher and higher. And just when I say how could he top the last show, I'm blown away and I'm amazed. So I cannot wait for this show. 
I want to I want to give props to you to Chris Costello who, do, who does the edits for the uh, for the shows that end up on YouTube and you know if we end up on Twitch or whatever. Uh, it's a little bit of a different thing where we're not shooting with a switcher, so it's 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 a multicam shoot and he takes that stuff at the end and adds the commentary. Uh, you know we do the commentary live, but it's he takes the audio track, matches it up, edits it. He does a really awesome job. And it has a really cool. It's got like that cool filter look to it. Yeah. Uh, when you watch, so it so it's got a very very cool vibe and a cool look to it. Um, but yeah, it's very DIY, very punk. And um, for for somebody like me that grew up in the hardcore scene and the the punk scene, um, and then you know as I get older, kind of like the the indie rock scene or whatever. Um, growing up in that and to be able to kind of meld those two things with wrestling is awesome. And it's just such an awesome atmosphere. At, uh, at, at as you guys know, there's no seats. You're on your feet. You're loud. Um, it's fun. It's fun. And like I said before, it's what brought me back to loving wrestling. That's great. That really is great. Of all the sh- of all the the uh, companies to do it, Fest Wrestling, I can definitely see being that company for you for sure. And just, I mean, great, great talent uh, all around. I mean, Sue Young is the current reigning Fest champion. Uh, before that was Heidi Lovelace, who is now Ruby Riot in NXT. And, man, talk about people who have to go through the, the NXT machine. She just flew right through it. She was at house shows, for, it seemed like, for a month. All of a sudden, she's on TV. All of a sudden, she's on that next pay-per-view. Like, I swear, it took about three months for her to get on TV. On get on pay-per-view. And there, and there are guys that have been there for two or three years that oh. are not on TV. And we've also that's, talked that, about that before, where people who have been doing uh, what they're supposed that, that, to be doing a, yeah, are still it's, waiting it's for their of, turn. It's, it's kind of like, um, not to go too far back in NXT, but it's kind of like a, a I don't want to say a sore subject, but from, from a, a, like a morale standpoint, it's tough when... You know, a guy has been in there waiting for his opportunity, and then you bring in Samoa Joe or you bring in Austin Aries. You know, and it's nothing again. I love Joe's. Joe's really cool. No, absolutely. And I, I love him as a, I love him as a performer. But again, that's where you got the transition from developmental to brand. So it's it's difficult for some of the guys who are down there to uh, to be there and not necessarily get that TV time. Um, but you mentioned Sue Young. She's um, Man, she's a piece of work in the ring, huh? Oh. She's so much fun to watch. You she's never know what she's going to do. And that, yeah. That match with Sammy Callahan at the last show where Callahan takes her and he's whipping her into that. There's like that barrel. Yeah. Oh, man, they made that look great. Absolutely. They really did. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, I'm like having a, a visceral reaction. I'm standing 20 feet away and I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to kill her. Yep. <laughs> but man, she cannot be killed. Like she is, she is the a undead bride, right? Tough. She is undead for sure. And Fest has had a lot of great talent who actually were involved in developmental uh, NXT, like Sammy Callahan, who was the hacker yep. in NXT. Wasn't working for him. He leaves, and now he's a rock star in the indie world. What's funny about they that? Didn't get it? And and Sue they Young. Sue Young was in developmental, and then now she's the best champion. Um, it's funny, too, because, like we said, people who are waiting forever, and they get nothing, they leave, and then they go to the indies and become well-known, and then WWE's like, hey, come on back, and then they come back, and now they're jumping ahead of line of the people that were waiting. <laughs> so basically, they become what they the reason they left in the first place. It's kind of yep, interesting to yep. me. Yeah. <laughs> Sa- Sammy, uh, Sammy, I didn't really feel like got a, a great shake in NXT. They didn't get what he was trying to do. And the, the funny thing is, you see that, like, Mr. Robots now, the, you know, this huge show on USA, which is pretty much what Sammy was trying to do. And they didn't get it. 
Yeah. Like legit. Like Hunter didn't. He was, I don't get it. I don't understand how this applies <laughs> to. And some, you know, myself and a couple of other guys that that were there. Ryan Katz were like, man, you could do so much. He didn't see it for whatever reason. Um, C.J. Parker, another guy who's gone over to Japan and is now doing really, really, really well for himself. Juice Robinson. Yeah. And will we see him back in in WWE? Probably will because he's still a pretty young kid. I think he's maybe 24, 25. I don't I don't even know if he's that old. I'd, I'd have to look. But he's still a relatively young guy that, uh, you know, Gallows. Gallows going over, you know, he's uh, Festus. And then he's straight edge society. And then, he, you know, now he's a star in Japan. And now we can – and you can bitch and complain about what they've done with them. But the fact of the matter is he comes back over as – if not a main event guy, a top-level guy. Oh, right. for sure. For sure, definitely. And the interesting thing is it might not even be a good time to come into WWE because it seems like there's this oversaturation of talent. And there's so many people who are like, hey, so-and-so's here, but there's nothing for them to do because they're pushing all these other people. And it just seems like a bad time. Like, NXT has got so many indie people showing up, or ROH stars, or Impact stars, and it, they don't know what to do with them. And I love NXT, but it, it kind of makes you feel bad for people who've been there forever, and they're waiting to get called up or whatever. Uh, how do you feel about that stuff? Like I said, I, it's frustrating, I, I think, for the guys who are there who have come. I mean, there's a handful of guys who are there that have been there for three years or whatever that... Buddy Murphy. Yeah, other guys too. Steve Cutler, I think, is still there. Who's you know he's jobbed and stuff. Great. I mean, look, Buddy. Buddy Murphy's a really talented worker. He is absolutely. really talented. Really talented worker. And yeah, you know, so he had the thing with Blake or whatever. But yeah, it's there's no magic formula. That's the thing. Um, you'd think that certain guys should be stars, and they come in and they're like, why is Bailey not getting over the way that you think she should on on the main roster? Is it? different tastes from the crowd is it creative there's so many different things that that go into it you can never like say okay this guy's gonna be a star but for sure with some of the guys coming in it's it's gonna be frustrating it has to be absolutely a quick question you might be able to answer this for us we noticed that a lot of uh, indie folk like for instance heidi lovelace when she got to nxt she changed her name to ruby riot do indie wrestlers or you know wrestlers from ROH do they tend to change their name so that way WWE doesn't own the rights to that name? So if they do leave, they can go back to being who they were. Do you know for sure? Uh, it's a little bit of both, I think. Okay, um, now, that's what I so assume. When you, like when you when you go into WWE, when you go into WWE, they want to own the name and the character because that's what you are. You're a character. That's why I had a, a phony name, mm-hmm. right? Because. I don't even think they trademarked it, but technically they own that. Right. Um, and, and, and you become a character. The, the way that I always put it is, is this. With WWE, you have to look at it as a TV show and you're a character on a TV show. So the example is this. The announcers are not announcers. You are actors playing the role of an announcer. And when you sign the contract or whatever it says that you know this person's been brought in uh, to, uh, for, for, the, for the role of announcer. You're not just the announcer. Like I don't think when when you know uh, when they hired Vince Scully's replacement in Los Angeles for the Dodgers, I don't think they put a thing that said uh, <laughs> ex- accepting applications for baseball play-by-play announcers. You know, to to take the role of and it, <laughs> may, it may have said the role, but the way it's used is different. If if you follow what I I'm absolutely saying, follow what you're saying, and it's a weird thing. It is odd, yeah. It it is so, but that's the way to, that's the way to think about it. So if you're if you have name value, Samoa Joe has name value. 
and maybe not to the greater wrestling people before WWE, the greater fans. But if you're a if you're a fan and you follow it, you know who he is. Sure. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to bring him up to bring him in and say, well, now here's Tongan Pete or whatever we want to call him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. just whatever whatever stupid name they come up with. He's Samoa Joe, and most people know that he's Samoa Joe. Somebody like Heidi Lovelace, you're going to bring in because yeah, she has a name on the indies, but not to the point where a lot of people know who she is. Right. So for her, it makes sense that if she goes back to the indies, she can become Heidi Lovelace again. But while she's in WWE, she's a character that they've created and they own the, the thing. Long story short, if you have enough name recognition and you have enough clout on your own, Moro Ronaldo, another perfect example. People know him and they wanted him because he brings mainstream credibility and crossover credibility, blah, 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 blah. So he's Moro Ronaldo. So they're, they're going to cash in or they're going to reap the benefits of that. For me going in there, nobody knew who I was going in. I, there's no there's no name value for for me going in there when I when I get in there. So I became Rich Brennan. It's that that's how you kind of have to look at it with the wrestlers as well. You know, Kevin Owens had you could say that he had name recognition, but I don't think to the level that Samoa Joe did. So he's you know instead of Kevin Steen, he's Kevin Owens. I, they, right. There's no again. It used to be hard and fast. If if you went in there, you got a gimmick name, and you weren't yourself. Now there's a little bit of a little bit of wiggle room with that, depending on. On who and the what and the why and what you've done and yeah, it's it's weird. It's a, it's if you a, have a hundred thousand Twitter followers, might as well keep the name, I guess. But then, then you yeah. had the curious case of Sonya Deville, aka Barrio Derenado, who they basically who's on the NXT program for a long time as Dario Baronado, and then they decide they're going to change her name to Sonya Deville. They don't change anything else about her, just her name. And it's like, why did you repackage her? But she's just the same thing. You just changed the label on the packaging. I don't understand. Again, again, I think it comes down to ownership of the, you know, long-term ownership of the media rights and trademarks and different things like that. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. <laughs> you know, and because I, I, this may be going into too much detail, but I believe that even if even if the name isn't trademarked, I, like I think you can go in. I think I could go in and trademark Rich Brennan. I'm not going to do it, or I don't think I don't think that it would be. It'd matter one way or another. I'm not going to sell anything as Rich Brennan, right? But I could go in and probably trademark that. But on the same hand, there's there's an argument that can be made because you appeared on their TV under whatever name that they ostensibly own the media rights to that. So I don't I don't even know how how any of that stuff would go. But I, I do know that there are certain guys that have gone afterwards and realized, hey, my name's not trademarked, so they go and trademark it themselves. So I don't I don't know all the law in, in behind Smart. that, but I know. Long story short, they want a character that they can market, that they can make theoretically T-shirts, posters, videos, action figures, whatever. And you're going to get your little piece of that, but they're the ones that are making the money because they're the ones that are building you up into be whatever you are at that point. Yeah, and that's it all comes down to money. Uh, the, those trademarks, yes. those licenses, those copyrights, the name change, all of it has absolutely everything to do with money but as perry will be the probably the first person to tell you i hate that answer mm. <laughs> i yeah. i mean that is a hill that i will die on he doesn't is, listen he doesn't is, listen right. i hate that and so <laughs> even if i force myself to accept that it's all about money i sort of cast it aside and i look for the second answer and i think it has a lot to do with my particular background in academia and studying sociology and philosophy and history. And I take a look at some of this shit sometimes. And I think 
okay, I know it's all about money and about uh, your next deal with NBC Universal and yada, yada, yada. But if you look at it from a historical perspective, it's so muddy. You can't write a very good narrative about someone's career anymore. And another thing we throw around on this podcast a lot is hashtag if wrestling were real. And uh, we say that because we all know that it is, you know, it's not real, but it is real. It's people really get hurt there, you know, all that. But we use that sort of the hashtag if wrestling were real as a catch all for let's imagine that it were real for a second and then Mm -hmm. take a look at things. And then if you take a look at it with the, you know, through the lens of hashtag if wrestling were real, it sucks that stuff has to change like that. Because you can't tell a story as well anymore. Yeah, um, I, I I agree because creatively, I think it makes things easier if you can kind of tell the full story. But on the same end, like it's, I hate saying it too, but it it's business. It is. It is. And the, Thank and, you, and, Rich. And, and it, <laughs> Thank it, it you. Exists to make money. Look, I look. I can go and do fast or whatever in Russell Circuit because it's fun. You know, I get paid, and it doesn't get paid a lot, but right. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, that's what you're doing full time or whatever. Then it's about making money, and that's that's the end of it. I get I guarantee you this. Like, I'm not I'm not zipping around doing shows all over the place to you know, all over the place to not get paid. For right? sure, for I'm, sure. Like there are a handful of things. If I know somebody or whatever, I, I may go and do it. But like generally speaking, like if promotion x calls me up and says hey we want you to do commentary for the show first question is when is it and how much am i getting paid yeah and it's a job and that's that's the that's the cold hard truth of it as much as i love it it's the same thing with a band if you're in a band and whatever like yeah you can play in your garage or play locally for fun or whatever but if you're gonna go and do it you want to make money yeah you you gotta keep your lights on it is a business it's the long and short of it yeah all right, sorry, sorry, Darren. That's a that's a hard pill to swallow. Oh, like though. I said, I accept I that answer. I, I just okay. sometimes I really fucking hate it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do too. From from um, the artistic part of me hates it, but I'm you know again I'm smart enough to realize like, look, if people aren't paying to get in, there's no show. Exactly. Right, and if you're not able to pay the wrestlers, there's no show, and if you're not able to continue to do that, there's no wrestling. So I mean, it's a business. You got to treat it like a business. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, in which uh, case, your business is obviously still commentary, uh, doing commentary for uh, Wrestle Circus and, of course, Fest Wrestling and the like. But also, you, sir, are a fellow podcaster. Hey! Hey! So tell us about the J.J. Dillon Show on MLW Radio Network. Wow. Uh, where do you even start? The beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember last year when I left WWE thinking, like, Maybe I'll start doing a podcast. And I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about the same breaking down the shows. There's a million of those shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I'm not busting your balls. No, no, like, no, no. Absolutely, it, it absolutely. Was like, whatever. Um, no, the, the, these and, these were my and, same at the thoughts. Time, it didn't appeal to me. Right. No, these were my same thoughts when Darren proposed doing a wrestling podcast. I was like, we'll be one. We'll be one of a million wrestling podcasts. Like, who cares what we have to say? And then when we got any response that's positive. You know, people like Tony saying, hey, good job. You know, we're getting wrestlers. And they're saying, you're asking me questions that have never been asked before. It's like, oh, good. We're doing, we're doing well then. So there, there is room for us and for you, most certainly. Well, I appreciate that. Um, 
I got to know uh, MSL, Mr. St. Laurent. I did a show with him in Orlando two months ago. And so we talked a little bit or whatever. And kind of, it was, it was like, he was surprised that I was still in Orlando. Matter of fact, when I ran into Sammy Callahan that time I was telling you about earlier, he was surprised I was still here. He didn't realize that I was still in Orlando. And he's like, oh shit, I got to get you to do more, more stuff or whatever. Um, MSL, kind of the same thing. We hit it off. We talked a little bit. And he asked me, uh, hey, you know, would you want to do, would you want to come on the, the, the MLW flagship show? Court's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Do you want to come in and, you know, host it with me for a couple of weeks or whatever? Sure, fine. Had fun with it. Um, Court and I got in touch. Court Bauer and I got in touch. And I just kind of mentioned to him offhand, I was like, hey, like, I don't know if you need somebody to either produce or host a podcast, but I got time. Like, I'm, I'm around. Like, by, my, 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 my shoot job allow, allows me the flexibility that I can – my schedule is somewhat flexible. So I was like, if there's – I can do this, whatever. And I was even just thinking, like, just producing it, literally producing it. Like, you guys do a podcast with whoever – and you send me the the file, and I go into Adobe Audition and sweeten it up and edit it and put the bumpers in and blah, 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 blah. That's it. I was thinking that. And he mentions to me that he just talked to J.J. Dillon and that he's, you know, pretty much on board to, to, do, to do this podcast. I was like, huge Crockett fan, huge Horseman fan, huge J.J. fan. Absolutely. Bought his book a couple years ago. I would love to do it. Put me in touch with JJ, talk to him, and um, we're getting our feet wet. We're just kind of getting into it. There's, you know, it's like anything else. I, I'm super critical of anything I do. I still, it can, it can be better, but I think JJ and I have a pretty good rapport. Um, we see the business very similar, similarly in 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 many ways, despite the fact that you know he's he started out in in, in the '70s, but it just we're. We have a good chemistry, I think, and um, we're just now kind of starting to get into some of the meat of the show. First couple of shows, you don't want to give away too much. You want to, hey, let's have some fun, talk about, you know, we talk Clash of the Champions. We talk Jim Barnett on a show. We talk just kind of his career and um, his dealings with, like, Russo and Cornette and Bischoff on the first show. So some of that stuff, we're going to start getting into a little bit more of the meat and the stuff that people, like, they want to hear some of the, the stories on, you know, the horsemen on the road and his time working for Vince and what it was like being in the office with Vince and why he left and the things that led to that. There's so much that we can get into. But you guys want to kind will. of grow that fan base a little bit first. So that way you're not telling the same stories over and over again, right? Exactly. And, we, and the funny we, thing we, is, JJ will even say this. Um, he goes, it's, a, it's an old cliche, but he goes, you know what, if you ask me what time it is, I'm going to go into how time was started and um, – who came up with the concept for time and then how to make the watch and what go, you know, what are the products that you have to buy separately to make, you know, and so he this sounds like that Darren Beasley it. here on my left here. <laughs> uh, so I know what you mean. He's my JJ Dillon. <laughs> I, I'm, t- I'm totally exaggerated, but, but he was like, you know, I'm the kind I'm of guy that if you ask me what time it is, I'll tell you how the watch is made. So nice. there's, and again, when, when, you, when you're doing a podcast, you have to be careful that you don't want to give away too much and repeat stuff. So we're, so we're working through some of that, but we have I think we have a really good chemistry. JJ is just a wealth of knowledge, um, has been everywhere, has worked with everybody, and it's JJ Dillon. Right? How awesome is that? The guy, you know, I mean, I grew up watching him on TV, and that I get to step back in a little bit more of a fan mode, and just kind of 
just kind of take it in. I mean, again, I'm thank I say I'm thankful for all these opportunities. It's funny how one thing leads to another, and you never know where you're going to go and where it branches off. Absolutely. A year ago, I I never would have thought that I'd be having multiple conversations weekly with JJ Dillon. Right. <laughs> you know, I I never thought that that would. You go back a couple years. I was there with Dusty at the Performance Center. I never thought that I'd get text messages from Dusty Rhodes and that I'd get to know Dusty. And you know, as I talked to JJ about this on, on I think on our first episode, or it might have been the Clash of the Champions. Like the first time I met JJ was at Dusty's memorial. Oh, so wow. to be able to even say that sentence that I first met JJ Dillon at Dusty's memorial blows my mind to this day. And I'm not saying that to put myself over and like I was whatever. I'm thankful for those things. I'm sure. thankful that I've had the opportunities that, that I've had and to take this next step into podcasting to get to know JJ, man, super, super thankful. And I can't wait to get into some of these stories that he has, because if you've read his book, there's a lot of stuff and we're going to go into a lot of the stuff that's in his book, but in more detail. Um, again, I mentioned why he left working for WWF and it's a very, very interesting story. And we'll be getting to that in the next couple of weeks. Well, Man. we are excited to listen to that. Yeah, I, um, absolutely. Yeah, big fan of yours, big fan of J.J. Dillon's, and to hear those kinds of stories are 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 worth every second of time uh, to invest as a listener because, uh, I mean, to be, to be our age and to be this deeply invested in professional wrestling... It, There's you, something wrong with us. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like people always say, like, why are you still playing, like, Nintendo and PlayStation at your age? And it's like, it grew up with me. And I feel like the wrestling industry grew up with me. So it's still mine. And then there was always that, that bit of nostalgia, you know, factor with it. But, I mean, it, it still changes. And people who were new, you know, 10 years ago, or they've been around, so it's that nostalgia. It's like, oh, hey, the Hardy Boys. I remember watching them and all that kind of stuff. Or Dusty Rhodes or Dustin Rhodes or, you know, whatever. Um, then you add to it the fact that the, the, the crumbling of kayfabe, the advent of the pro wrestler autobiography and just more and more of pulling back of the curtain and uh, it keeps somebody intrigued uh, in a product that maybe the on-air uh, product really doesn't do anything for them anymore but they can still care about the product as a whole they can care about the industry it's sometimes more interesting than what's on tv exactly exactly you, you, hear, you, you hear that a lot which is a shame in many ways but as long as they keep supporting each other in whatever kind of cycle it goes through then that's good for everybody and that that's actually a really good point and that's something that i could never explain to someone who was not a wrestling fan like what you're seeing on tv is one thing and that's great for what it is but knowing what's going on behind the scenes as it's happening especially especially hearing about it um that's that's a whole another layer that you get and it's like oh man like if you watch this is the ultimate example. If you watch the Montreal Screwjob and you don't know about wrestling, you see it happen, you think it's all part of the show. If you're a wrestling fan who knows, then you know that, man, some shit went down that night. Yeah. And, and, and yep. that's even more important than what you actually see on TV because it's almost like a where were you when Kennedy was shot kind of a thing. <laughs> and who's dude, the, dude. who is the shooter? It's almost like who's the shooter who literally is the shooter, no pun intended. Because um, <laughs> it's just insane, all the conspiracy with it, and everyone well, who was, says it was my I was idea. I say, did, are you into the conspiracy that this whole thing is just an elaborate rib that's been going on for 20 years? 
No, no, but I do think the Iron Sheik has been has been in character ever since the seventies, and no one knows. He probably that. has been. Probably has been. <laughs> no, I would be absolutely. Uh, not surprised at all if it turned out Montreal was one gigantic work. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it is, but I, fuck, you never know. That's yeah. true. <laughs> that, that is very, very true. And uh, and that that's a cool thing about uh, your podcast. I mean, it. We say we just said basically. It seems like every wrestling fan now has a podcast. Now it seems like every wrestler has a podcast. Raven's got one. Jericho's got one. Conan. Uh, Lance Storm, the Taz Show is obviously what it is. Um, so, and the thing is, every wrestler is going to have a different journey. They're going to have different stories to tell, and and that's what's really really great. And JJ Dillon, when his his existence in the wrestling world, when he existed, and when he was doing stuff with Four Horsemen, like I can't imagine the stories that you have already heard, what you're going to hear, what your listeners are going to hear. Fans, you've got to tune into the JJ Dillon Show. You've got to do it. Well, the other cool thing with JJ is he worked more than 3,000 matches that a lot of people don't really realize that he was a worker for that long, and he started out as a referee. There's so much that we can get into. I, I, uh, one of the shows that we're doing here is going to be Booking a Territory 101 because he was a booker at times. I want to do a refereeing podcast with him, kind of learn about some of that stuff and, 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 and what he learned. The super cool thing with JJ is that he's just super straightforward, super honest, and he has no agenda. There's really... I don't, I don't get that from him at all. He's just a, he enjoys the product um, or enjoys the business, had his his mark on the business, and just to be able to talk about that. Again, if you read his book, Wrestlers I Like Seagulls, really good book. I don't know if it's still in print. Uh, we're going to go into to, to a lot of stuff that he mentions in there, but as I said, in more detail. But even from the book, you get the sense that um, it's just very honest, and, that, and that's what I get from him. Um, one of the interesting things with JJ, just his life journey and his story in general, after he left WCW, he needed to work. And at 61 years old, he went and he became a prison guard in Delaware. Just retired. Wow, Think man. about that. JJ, he told me, I'm gonna, I want to do a whole podcast on that about just some of the crazy stuff that he saw as a prison guard. I think that'd be interesting. From working with the crooks at Turner to working at the crooks (laughs) in the the big house. (laughs) But but, but, but think think about that. Here here you are in 1985, 1988, whatever, flying on planes. You're with the four horsemen. You're partying. You're Ric Flair. You're doing all this. Fifteen years later, you're a prison guard. Think about that. That's insane. How humbling is that? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you're going from a world-renowned television personality and people, you know, you come into people's living rooms, they think that they know you, and then you are stepping into a top five everyman job. Yeah. Yep, and he, and, and he did it, and without, you know, I don't sense any bitterness or, or anything. Like, he was just like, you know what, needed work, needed benefits. He's, you know, he's got a son that, that has special needs. It's like, I needed to work. And there it was, 61 years old, goes and becomes a prison guard That's after awesome. being... One of the four horsemen. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy thinking about that. Man, that that is that is amazing. And again, a, a story I can get on any other podcast. Just be, I mean, everyone had a different life, and that's that is tremendous for sure. Yeah, it's it makes it full circle in a lot of ways. Very interesting, and I think that brings out the. I don't know. I think it's just another layer of again the honesty and just the. There's really no agenda. We're just 
two guys that love wrestling talking about it. And that's and also like what we're doing, right? Kind of like what we're doing right now with you know the three of us. Absolutely, and that's important. Uh, also, I mean, wrestlers can can go out and say, you know, I hate this guy. This guy's a jerk. This guy's a dick. But you have to believe them. You you have to believe you're getting an honest, unbiased opinion. Um, and here on the show, we call it right down the middle. It's kind of what we do. Uh, but it's it's cool, especially if you can trust the trust the opinions of the person you're listening to. Like Vince McMahon writes an autobiography. I don't believe anything he's going to tell me. <laughs> Hulk yeah, Hogan writes one. Believe a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, because you know it's going to be sanitized to, to what WWE wants. Precisely, precisely. So I'm I'm always cautious when, uh, or even like when Sam Roberts or, or someone I forget his name who's on who's the other guy Rosenberg. Yeah, Rosenberg. They do stuff for WWE and they're like trying to ask real questions and they get like the wwe answer and it's yeah. like th- you're, you're telling me nothing this is worthless i don't care yep. and and here yep. that's the thing too with wwe is they're trying to include podcasting personalities but really they're just kind of using them because they're yep. trying to make you think that you're seeing behind the curtain but they're pulling the curtain and it's just another curtain well it's like you said earlier rich about the, tr- the network is trying to give you every one of the 31 flavors and that includes now let's also WWE we're also going to provide you with wrestling podcasts but it's not the real thing no yeah you can you can sense it I mean like I remember I think Hunter's even talked about this in um, like press conference he does those calls before takeovers the press conference calls or whatever I think he's even talked about it that like part of what they do now is working the sheets before you oh you didn't talk to dirt sheets or there may be somebody in the organization i think jj had the role of a while where he was allowed to talk to Meltzer, but he was only allowed to to give Meltzer what the company wanted him to give oh, sure you know what yeah. i mean so it's like you're not really getting anything really anyway um it's that wwe filter everything right. goes to the wwe filter but, you know, they, they've taught Hunter's said this in, in production meetings. Sometimes they'll find out stuff literally online or on Twitter or whatever that they don't know about. But somehow the sheets get it. So now there's this whole you talk, I mean, you could go you could go into like, man, I, I, I studied media and really into like communication, media communications and news and the way things get filtered out and i mean like we're living through a very tumultuous and very a time that's going to be studied for years to come when it comes to the news media right now but you talk about putting disinformation out there and the thing that rachel maddow recently said that trump is putting out phony stuff to make them so that they can call the media on it so that when the remediate when the media reports on a phony document that comes out they could say look see they were lying about it right but they're the ones that are putting it out there in the first place and wwe in many ways is it's disinformation, and they're and they're they're involved in some of that. But like you said, they're trying to put it off as, oh, here's a podcast. We're going to show you what it's really like. But it's still mm-hmm. what they want. Absolutely. So, hey, God bless them for doing it. And it's probably a lot more open than it used to be. But it's still you're still not going to get the straight the straight story on the JJ Dillon show. You will. Oh, very nice, very very nice. Well done. Uh, well, that's awesome, man. And. Uh, I guess that's about it. I mean, man, we covered all the all the bases for sure. And uh, I guess before we let you go, we're gonna have, go ahead and let you uh, plug some social media, man. Give us all your social media stuff. Uh, first thing first, follow the JJ Dillon Show at JJ Dillon Show on Twitter. We usually have polls up there that you can vote on for future shows. The hashtag that we've been using is Ask JJ to get your questions in. I may change that to Ask JJD because I think there's another Ask JJ that's out there for some other TV show. Anyway. 
<laughs> at JJ Dillon Show on Twitter. And you can follow me uh, at Rich Bocchini, B-O-C-C-H-I-N-I. If you haven't followed Fest, follow Fest Wrestling on Twitter. And, of course, follow Wrestle Circus as well. So uh, can't wait to see you guys coming up here in Gainesville. And it's going to be exciting. In a couple weeks, I'll be heading back over to uh, to Austin for the next Wrestle Circus. So we have to catch up. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll stop by Lucky's or something afterwards and BS after the show. Awesome. For Definitely. sure, for sure. We're really excited about that. And we want to thank you very, very much for coming on the whole reference show. Dude, I'm happy. You know what? I'm just honored. Anytime somebody wants to talk wrestling, I love to do it. And the fact that, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, I had a spell in WWE and I'm doing what I'm now. The fact that that gives me an opportunity to do some of these other things. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys, like I said, I'm not one of these guys that's jaded, that's like, that thinks I'm a big deal or whatever. I'm just a, I'm a fan that got. Yeah, I got lucky, lightning struck, and it's allowed me these opportunities to, to meet new people, such as yourselves, and, and talk to you guys, make new friends, and, and just um, just be part of something bigger than just everyday life. You know, so you have your day job, you have what you do, but uh, it's much like music. It's much like you know, if you're involved in, I suppose, community theater or something like that. It's something to be a part of, and it's something that we love, and something that. Um, Again, I'm, I'm 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 thankful. So just to have the opportunity to talk to you guys, I appreciate it. That's awesome, man. Absolutely, we really, man. Really appreciate it. Well, we will see you Sunday. Absolutely. We look forward to hearing you call Fest Wrestling Christmas in July, and we look forward to the JJ Dillon Show. And uh, thanks again. I am Darren Beasley. I am Perry Smith. And this was Rich Bocchini on. The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. And one more time, on behalf of myself and Darren, we really, really want to thank Rich Bocchini uh, for giving us his time. Really, really great interview with Rich. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Such a wealth of information from him. Learned a lot from a real professional who knows the business so well, knows WWE, knows NXT, knows the indie scene, knows Fest Wrestling, Wrestle Circus, and podcasting as well. He's, he's really been, he's been everywhere, man. He's Johnny Cash. In addition to that wealth of knowledge, that insider knowledge, that personal experience and the personal touch, you learn about his experience. You learn about uh, the, the experience in general for somebody trying to break in. It, it's a great story. And I know that we say it all the time about uh, friends of the show, but that is just an amazing perk of this endeavor about having this podcast and having these people on the show. They really are friends of the show. I'm not blowing smoke up their ass. I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but it's great to have our guests on the show because they really do become friends of the show. They're generous with their time and telling their stories and we're glad to know them. Rich Bocchini is no exception. With absolute pleasure to talk to. We talked to him for a great amount of time off the air as well, and we and I definitely want to second Perry here and thank Rich immensely for being a part of the whole reference show. Absolutely, folks. Um, so if you want Rich's personal phone number, just reach out to me. <laughs> I'll give it to you. He's going to talk to you about wrestling for as long as you want. Uh, just kidding, Rich. Just kidding. Um, so once again, thank you, Rich, and uh, yeah, we'll see you at Fest Wrestling for Woo-hoo. sure.
Philadelphia, Pennsylvania will be the battlegrounds for SmackDown Live's latest pay-per-view. Dot, dot, dot. Battleground uh, on July 23rd. I, I like this card. At a glance, this card is neat. This is the one, this is the card that on paper, when I go back and look five years from now, and I compare Battleground to, let's say, Money in the Bank or something else from this year or the previous year, I'm going to stop and put this card on. Whether it's popping the DVD or Blu-ray in, whether it's pulling it up on the WWE Network, this is the kind of card that makes me want to watch it. So oh. I'm going to tip my hat, actually, to SmackDown for putting together a pretty pretty neat show. So let's start with the pre-show. The beginning, that is the not beginning, <laughs> because the pre-show, hey, it's just for laughs, right? Everyone's still getting to the arena. Everyone's buying their nacos. Everyone's getting their shirts and their cups and their mugs and their AJ Styles gloves, right? So let's have let's have two uh, people that don't have a shot in hell at making it anywhere else on the card fight each other, and that's Ty Dillinger and Aiden English. Now, when I say that, that's not me saying that. That is clearly the office saying that because this is a return pre-show match from Money in the Bank. Ty Dillinger, the perfect ten, Aiden English, who's in no man's land because his tag team partner. Simon Gotch, uh, who is now Simon Grimm on the indie scene, uh, quit voluntarily because he realized that things weren't happening. And uh, this is it. They got Ty Dillinger and Aiden English. And probably Ty Dillinger goes over again in Aiden English. What do you think? I think so. They don't care about Aiden English. The character's not over. I like Aiden English. I think they should do something with him. I like the villains, But... I don't really care for solo singer, actor, thespian Aiden English. That's just not, the gimmick doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me at all. It's like a diet Elias Samson. Or I'd say Elias Samson's doing the whole interrupting the show to hear me perform a song so much better than Aiden English is. It's almost like why even have Aiden English do it at all? Um, so yeah, I don't know what's going on here. So, I mean, Aiden English might win to kind of like, oh, this feud will perpetuate, but is this really a feud? I don't want the is feud this, to perpetuate. Is this literally just a pre-show feud? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just say Ty Dillinger's win and then stop having this match, please. Um, <laughs> hopefully Ty Dillinger can make his way into the actual card. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, so we're both going with Ty Dillinger on this one. Yes. Absolutely. The perfect 10 will get that perfect three. One, two, three. As we get into Battleground proper, we are going to see Sami Zayn take on Mike Kanellis, the husband of Maria Kanellis, the first lady of SmackDown Live. Mike Kanellis fought Sami Zayn on SmackDown. This is a rematch. This whole thing centers around the fact that Sami has sort of, uh, I guess, just, just kind of gotten in the way of Mike and Maria. They they don't like him because to them he's sort of a bumbling idiot. And uh it's kind of you know it, it's got its cuteness. It it works. It pays off. The problem is I don't want Sami Zayn to be relegated to being a bumbling idiot. Right. I don't want Sami Zayn to be Santino. You know, I that that's Sami Zayn deserves so much better than that. But 
I don't exactly hate this feud because I think it's a nice matchup physically. If we're going to watch a wrestling match between Sami Zayn and Mike Canales, I'm for that. Well, anytime Sami Zayn fights someone who is not a foot taller than he is, you know, <laughs> he's like, yes, finally, and not a squash match. It's great. Um, so, you know, he's happy to fight someone like Mike Canales. Um, and it's cool seeing Mike Canales uh, in action, actually fight on the pay-per-view. He actually debuted on the last pay-per-view, Money of the Bank, with Maria Canales. And uh, it's cool that he took Maria's name, because obviously Maria Canales is already known to the WWE Universe. And uh, it's better than like, oh, it's Mike Phoenix coming out at you. you know, <laughs> so I, I like that it's just, we'll just call him Canales, and that's fine. And the gimmick is they're so in love, and he's so over the moon for his wife that he changed his last name. And Canales is a pretty cool name, though, yeah? Uh, I mean, for sure. If I was dating someone named Maria you know, Dynamo... I changed my name to Dynamo. Sure, she doesn't want Smith, honey. Can you not be a Dynamo anymore? Can you just be a Smith, Harry Dynamo? I'd, I, I, I would, uh, I'd co-host a podcast with, with Perry, Perry Dynamo. Dynamo? How, you won't co-host one with Perry Smith. You no, are no. going to be Perry Dynamo. You're the same person. Wait, okay. I'm not replacing. I'm replacing. If I change my name to Perry Dynamo, I have to you. change my my wardrobe. Which you will love to discuss at great length on the show. Hardy, hard, hard. <laughs> well, Hardy's not involved in this show, sir. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, a good match and something new. Well, technically we already saw this once on SmackDown. But it's something new. It's a new feud, which I like. And like I said, this Mike card and Maria has a lot of familiar new. feuds going on. Yeah, Mike and Maria seem new. They really feel new. And I think it's because of how long... Maria's been gone, and how much of a presence these two were as a couple in both Ring of Honor and an Impact. And to now see them over on SmackDown Live is really neat. Yeah. It, it goes back to that thing I've talked about for years and years, and certainly have talked about on nearly every episode of this podcast, which is surprises always pay off, and fresh faces are even better. Right. You know, now that NXT is so visible, those faces almost don't even count as much when they show up on Raw or SmackDown. It's just like, oh, of course. And that that, that, that itself is basically company. a brand jump. It is. That's like someone leaving Raw to go to SmackDown. So it's like, oh, so and so's here. It is, and I like it. Right. But it, it, it's gotten to be less shocking, I guess. Mm. Still cool, still exciting, but less like. Whoa! Well, like a jump from an actually different company. Well, this whole thing is very unique because um, I was a little concerned about the transition Mike Bennett, aka Mike Kanellis, was going to have into WWE. But the thing is, he has Maria with him, who again everyone knows. So it's almost like he's a familiar face without actually being a familiar face because he has that benefit of Maria being with him. So it's very unique. Also, they didn't they didn't put him through the NXT ringer first for a year. And then you get, oh, you got called up. Well, welcome to the pre-show. You know, um, <laughs> so... It's ah, here, here. We'd like you to meet Aiden English. Very ballsy that they went ahead and just and brought them both straight into SmackDown. And, uh, they, straight on the pay-per-view. They were obviously like, you know, Maria, people know who you are. They remember you. We're just going to bring you right in. And, uh, yeah, and, and bring your bring your husband, and it works really well. So who do you think is going to win the match, though? Well, Mike Kanellis, doesn't he need to win his pay-per-view uh, debut? I mean, obviously, there's going to be some trickery on the part of Maria. 
Um, but I mean, Mike Kanellis kind of has to beat Sami Zayn immediately, right? That yes, and they don't mind making Sami Zayn lose. And apparently, Sami Zayn doesn't mind losing. No. So I'm going to go with Mike Kanellis here. What about you? Uh, I just definitely said, no Mike Kanellis. Yes. Uh, Sami Zayn, don't be a nice guy, by the way, because they'll they'll use that against you. They'll steamroll you, bud. Never say I don't mind losing, because that just means you're gonna lose. Coming up, we have a championship match. The U.S. champion AJ Styles takes on the former U.S. champion Kevin Owens. Now, the interesting thing about this match, AJ Styles is a U.S. champion, and he didn't win the belt on television, not on SmackDown Live television. He actually won it at a house show, at a live event, uh, which is very unique, very unique to the business, an untelevised uh, belt uh, change. It very, very rarely happens. I guess if it was going to happen anywhere, it happened in Madison Square Garden, the unofficial home of the WWE, and uh, they wouldn't have made this change necessarily in uh, you know Poughkeepsie or Terre Haute or Tallahassee, Florida. Exactly during the Heat Wave tour, we will occasionally see something like this happen uh, at Madison Square Garden. Um, I think the last time we saw any WWE title change hands at a house show was when Samoa Joe beat Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. It, it just doesn't happen. It's just not something that happens, but I love it when it does because it lends some credibility and some importance to the house show circuit. So it's cool when it happens. I mean, it, it's it's rare. It shouldn't happen all the time, but uh, it it happened this time. It did exactly what it should do when it does happen, which is create a buzz, creates a story that lasts over the weekend right. into the next week of shows, and like I said, it sort of breathes a little bit of new life into the idea of a house show, of the live events, where you go, oh. Well, now I want to go because anything could happen. Right, because you think a house show, you think, well, that doesn't count. Almost, almost like, yeah. yeah. If, it, if it's not televised, then then nothing happens that you need to know about. Uh, but no, storyline, big storyline change with AJ Styles becoming the champion. So he defends that U.S. championship against the likes of Kevin Owens. And uh, I guess i got to ask you, man, who do you think is going to go over on this one? I think Styles retains. Mm. I think Styles retains, and let me tell you why. They took the belt off of Owens for a reason. We don't work for the WWE. I don't have uh, a little birdie with a direct report from the WWE backstage to me. So you can never know the full story. You know the little bit that you hear, and you can speculate and kind of read between the lines and see what's happening on TV. And that whole nine yards. What I can say that falls under that, the, that category is that apparently there exists a feeling among the writers or the management of SmackDown there's too much anti-Americanism. There are too many anti-American characters on SmackDown, which not they're not worried because there's too much anti-America. They're just it's too much of that gimmick. Because essentially you got Kevin Owens, Rusev, and Jinder Mahal 
all being somewhat anti-American. They're not profoundly anti-American. Kevin Owens is, kind of is, is actually more so than both of those guys, I think. Really? Well, he's like, I'm the face of America, and I'm from Canada, and, and like we speak two languages where I come from. Like he 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 is doing the classic like 80s 90s sure no, foreigner I mean, quotations. I, I can dig that heel. Um, you know, because he's he's foreign, but he's he's a white guy. So you're you're like, oh, he's just like me. But oh no, ca- Canadian, he's not like me. You know that kind of a thing. So he, he just arms you with his his paleness. So you got these, you got three people, and they're very different people, and they're all working the angle differently. But I could see how if someone brought it up at a production meeting, you know, it it would hold water. We don't need three guys doing this this type of gimmick. That was the only thing I had uh, against General Mahal winning was like he's going to have the same gimmick more or less that Owens is running with the U.S. title. Obviously, it's different for different reasons, but I mean, still, it's kind of like it's too close. It's too close. So, so I feel like Owens is gonna. It's either it's he's going to be retooled or scaled back, and I think the first part of that is getting the belt off of him and keeping it off of him, and I think in terms of who needs that gimmick the least of those three? It's Kevin Owens. He's shown he doesn't really need much of a gimmick at all. He can work without one, but he can also work with one, and it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. Right. Rusev and Jinder both kind of need to be the angry foreigner right now, but Kevin Owens doesn't need it. He doesn't need a crutch. He can just feud with AJ because. Right. And move on to the next feud because. Here's here's my idea. Are you ready for this? Uh, how about you give the U.S. title to someone who wasn't just the heavyweight champion? Right. How about you give it to someone that can actually use it to elevate their presence on the show? Uh, you know, elevate their careers. Instead of people who have held major titles, more so than this, universal title, the, the world SmackDown title. Um, you know, so, so you give it to them, it's kind of like, oh, thank you for this silver medal. That's great. I'll put this behind <clears> something <throat> and forget about it. You give Owens the U.S. title. It meant something because he took it from Chris Jericho. That meant a lot. But, I mean, they, they needed to keep saying that this was Jericho's belt because that, that meant more than the U.S. championship meant. AJ taking it from Owens was like, you know what? I'm an American. I'm going to take that from you, Kevin Owens. You know, so he needed to take it back for America. So I, I get that. But again, both of these guys were just the heavyweight champions. So giving, oh, yeah. a, giving a U.S. belt is like, yeah, thanks. It's great. I love it. So anyway, give it to someone else. It, it can, it can uh, work wonders for their career. However, for this match, you say AJ retains. I also agree with you and say AJ retains. Something big's going to happen at SummerSlam. But really, I'm, I kind of, over this feud, I want these guys to fight anyone else. That's not each other. <laughs> so... In fact, if I had my way, I'd have AJ Styles take on the man of the next match. That's Shinsuke Nakamura. Obviously, they're alluding to uh, Shinsuke Nakamura feud down the road. There was a couple of great moments when they had their match together at Money in the Bank, the latter match for the Money in the Bank. Um, really great moments there. Really good booking there. Got a hand it to him on that one. I'm glad that moment was there. However, Shinsuke is taking on someone who tried to take him out of that match, Baron Corbin. Uh, Baron Corbin, who actually won the money in the bank. And I actually did like that ending a lot. I like that it came down between AJ and Shinsuke. But ultimately, Corbin jumps in and kind of ruins it for both of them and, and grabs the, the money in the bank. And we, we, we picked Baron going into it. 
We said that this is Baron Corbin's way to uh, get a title run. And being the Money of the Bank holder, obviously, is the, the best way to go about that. So it's Baron versus Shinsuke. It's a tale as old as time. Artist and the Beast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the artist here. Oh. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura needs to win this match. I think he will. And I think the briefcase is like, uh, kind of helps you be loss proof. Right. And he can't lose this unless it was for the money of the bank, which is not. So it's just a match match. And I totally agree with you. Shinsuke Nakamura take out this mean old Baron Corbin. Again, I'm I'm liking Corbin more and more every time I see him. I wasn't a huge fan of his back in the day, but I'm kind of over that and kind of like, okay, Baron Corbin, that's fine. Well, if but they, you know how I feel about Shinsuke Nakamura. Come on. If they weren't canceling Talking Smack, I would just look forward to the next time Corbin was appearing on Talking Smack and say, looky here. This is where this guy shines. Mm-hmm. And it is. Because he's not a bad wrestler, but the ring is not where he shines. He's not a bad talker, but the scripted promos backstage or in the ring, not where he shines. Right. Get him a little riled up and put him on an unscripted show called Talking Smack, and he will give you the closest thing I think you're ever going to get to a the real kind of angry person that the real Baron Corbin is, who definitely, for a shoot... Feels like he was in NXT too long. Feels like his win-loss ratio in NXT wasn't good. Feels like he was underestimated when he got to SmackDown. Uh, That's who the real person, Baron Corbin, really is. And you get to see that on Talking Smack. And now you're not going to get to see that. Mm. We will see it following the pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just a really good glimpse at what Baron Corbin could be. Right. Or what he might have been in a bygone era. You know, I, I hate to think that the only time we're ever going to see Baron Corbin is when he's being interviewed by Dasha and he's trying to remember his lines that he got right. two hours earlier. Right, bygone era. Let's let bygones be bygones, you know. Moving on to a five person elimination match between the women of SmackDown. It is for number one contendership to the SmackDown Women's Championship, uh, which uh, belongs to Naomi, by the way. Uh, she is your women's champion still in SmackDown, and she's had it for a good while. Yeah, good, she's good not defending Naomi. it on this show. Right, and that's that's depressing. But uh, the rest of the ladies, exception of Carmella, of course, they're going to be scrapping because it's Charlotte Flair taking on Becky Lynch, Natalia, Tamina Snuka, and Lana. So this should be pretty interesting. I feel like Lana's going to be a lot better in this match. You think? Yeah, because... I was just about to say, one of these things is not like the others. Right. I mean, we've we talked about this. We don't think Lana is quite on the same page as the other lady wrestlers at this point, uh, which you know, hopefully changes and she improves and whatever. But I think this is going to be great because she doesn't have to carry the match. She can jump in, do a couple spots... Charlotte can make her look like a million bucks. Becky make her make a million bucks. Natalia a million bucks. Tamina made a million bucks. Um, maybe so, yeah, <laughs> so, so maybe. Um, so yeah, so it's not going to be totally on Lana to like carry a match with somebody else. So I think that it's, she's going to shine this way. Lana better not win though. It better not be another Lana Naomi match because that, that's uh, a good. Yeah, not so good. Um, so man, this is a lot of. Uh, 
a lot of potential here. I could see any of these ladies really kind of going over, but for me, it's between Charlotte and Becky. Because uh, I think maybe, I think maybe Carmella will have the belt off of Naomi before the number one contender goes on to fight uh, Carmella. Is what I'm thinking. Uh, but anyway, Naomi. Assuming Naomi's still champion, who do you think is going to win? Me assuming Naomi's still the champion by the time the number one contender. Because that's the thing. It's not the winner goes on to fight Naomi. Your number one contender. So if Carmella wins it along the way. This person goes on just to fight. Oh, Carmella. sure. Oh, okay. okay. Now, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think ahead. I'm trying to think ahead. Uh, also, this this is muddied by the fact that it's an elimination style. It is elimination so style. So it's not first pinfall. It's five ladies, then four ladies, then three ladies, then two ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, Darren? And then one lady. Okay, okay. And uh, that lady will be the number one contender. Five ladies enter, four ladies leave. <laughs> It sounds like a Tuesday I, night. I think that Charlotte Flair wins. Charlotte, ooh. Now, that got me in trouble at Money in the Bank when I picked Charlotte to win that match, and she did not, of course. Carmella did, okay. or James Ellsworth did. But, uh, no, I, I can't pick against Charlotte. I find it almost impossible to pick against Charlotte, even when she lets me down. But, uh... I think it makes sense for her to be the number one contender. I don't think you can go all the way to SummerSlam without Charlotte being somewhat of a focus. I agree with that completely. I don't think she's going to this match, but I agree with that completely. I like that thinking. To me, though, there's been so much groundwork laid with, and this this relies heavily on Carmella <laughs> on Carmella beating Naomi at some point okay. to become the women's uh, SmackDown champion. Uh, I, I foresee a Becky Lynch-Carmella feud at some point, which might take place after the fact, but I'm kind of, I'm going for Becky Lynch on this one. Okay. I'm thinking it might be Becky's time. And also this will break up the Becky-Charlotte love fest that's been going on lately, um, which they've been really good friends um, so I think they're gonna have to. You mean they're two lady tea parties? That's right, the two lady tea parties. They got they got to come to an end. Also, it's nice because we disagree, which makes for a better, more interesting head to head. Head to head. I can dig that. I, I definitely don't like when we tie, and I like it even less when we tie and do poorly. I like when we tie Dillinger. Oh, I just like tie Dillinger. Well, after the five way women's match. We have the return of a couple of brutes. The Bulgarian brute, Rusev, and the all-American uh, brute, John Cena. <laughs> you should call yourself the all-American brute. That's what I would call myself. That's what I did. You can call yourself that. You can call I, yourself whatever now you want. On, okay, from now on, I'm the all-American brute. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Uh, John Cena, who's having his First pay-per-view match since WrestleMania 33, the yeah. Ultimate Thrill Ride. Yeah. From Camping World Stadium at the Citrus Bowl. And we were there. In Orlando. We were there. John Cena is wrestling Rusev, rekindling this old feud. These guys have been round and round and round. They fought each other at WrestleMania 31. In California, a.k.a. WrestleMania play sign. And, uh, and one of the greatest entrances 
in WrestleMania history, Mm -hmm. that being the one of Lana with the Russian soldiers carrying the Russian flag back when uh, they pushed Rusev as the favorite athlete of Vladimir Putin. (laughs) And Vladimir Putin was literally on the screen, on the Titantron, during every one of Rusev's entrances. And Lana carried around a medallion that was personally given to Rusev by Putin. Of course. To represent Russia in the United States as being a more dominant force, even though Rusev is not Russian, he's Bulgarian. Close enough. He even has Close a enough. tattoo no, of Bulgaria no. on his arm. It was just a horrible tattoo artist. And he is called, actually called, the Bulgarian Brute. No, Darren, no. Well, well, now that he is seemingly definitely split from Lana, there is zero reference to Russia now. He is back to being the Bulgarian brute. And Rusev, so proud of that, in fact, brought his Bulgarian flag out with him from the back of the arena on SmackDown and uh, basically waved it in John Cena's face and said, Yes, very cute. Fourth of July. Okay, stupid. John Cena is dumb. And, uh, you know, John Cena, of course, he's got to wave the American flag, so he does. So this match at Battleground ends up becoming a flag match. I don't know if I've ever seen a flag match. I've heard of them. Have you ever seen one? I don't recall ever seeing one. I know we were supposed to see one uh, back in Bad Blood 97. Uh, It was supposed to be Bret Hart and the British Bulldog versus Vader and the Patriot uh, in a flag match, but they actually changed it at the last minute and just made it kind of like a match match. Um, Oh, the Patriot. Hey, the Patriot. He was patriotic. Um, but I mean, no one remembers that at all, that match at all, period, because of that awesome main event, uh, <laughs> hell in the cell between Taker and Shawn Michaels. Where hey, Kane, that's all you needed. Where Kane debut. That's one of my favorite matches of all time. But it's pretty great. That's a pretty great match. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, the Kane debut is just icing. Oh, come on. Shit. What a cool debut. I know. What a great character hey, he used to be. Focus, focus, John Cena, Rusev. Um, I have a beautiful mind. So John Cena came back. Can't wait till he wins the title again and breaks Ric Flair's record for. Well, actually, if you if you saw the table for three with Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Bruno Sammartino, Rick says it depends on who you ask as to how many titles he has. Oh well, and uh, so he, even though. I believe Bruno's trying to to attribute 17 or 18 to Rick. Rick says something about, like, uh, it, it's it's officially more like 18, uh, but really it, it's it's 23. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, okay. really? Interesting. Which is weird because, you know, Ric Flair will say stuff like that from time to time, but usually not if WWE is watching. Usually when he's involved with WWE, that dude is a company man. And, I mean, that's the whole reason he was there, live, in person, waiting in Gorilla to congratulate John Cena when he did win his 16th World Championship. 
Ric Flair was there, knowingly acknowledging that he'd tied the record. Yet here he is, Ric Flair on table for three, going somewhere between eighteen and twenty something. Right. That's that's actually how many. Right. Okay. Well, this one's not for a championship, not yet. Cena will likely get there. Um, maybe WrestleMania ish. We'll see. But uh, this is for the flag, man. Cena versus Rusev. What do you I, think? Returning Rusev, returning John Cena. Cena's not going to be here for long. He's going to dart off to go film something else, I'm sure. So, Nevertheless, I think Cena's got to win. And that short amount of time he was here last time, I mean, he did some good things. He put some people over like he should, but he also won the, the world title, yeah. uh, which he should not have, because he held it for a, a month. Right. And uh, I, John Cena... Is is having the best matches of his career. Yeah. The last three to four years are way better in terms of ring performance than his first many years. I'm sure that has a little bit to do with booking. I think it has a lot to do with his opponents. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I think it has, you know, at least more than a little to do with John saying, Hey, I actually have this ability and I always have had this ability. But now he's sort of doing it to prove himself, especially against younger guys or guys like Kevin Owens, for example, not that much younger than Cena. One might make that argument, but no, the whole time Cena was doing his thing at the top of the WWE, Owens was out there in the world as Kevin Steen doing his own version of Cena dominance in ROH, in PWG. And uh, so they're, you know, nearly the same age even though Cena's the first person to call someone like Kevin Owens kid. Mm -hmm. But in this instance where both these guys are returning, the, the flag match, the flag element of it makes me think Cena has to go over because the flag has to go over. The American flag needs to go over the Bulgarian flag. It's WWE's way of saying, see, we're so patriotic, gender's champion, but America baby all the way. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Cena as well. Rusev, they won't, they won't push Rusev for whatever reason. They, well, the worst thing they, they drag did him to the mud, take Lana away from him. Yeah, here they are. They're both on the show. They're probably gonna fly in together from Nashville, Tennessee, to Philadelphia, and not be there together. Two ships sailing past yeah. each other in the daylight. So we're both picking Cena. So at this point, we still have the same picks, with the exception. Of the five-way women's elimination. Well, we still got two matches left, including yes, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, the Usos, defending their belts against the New Day. That's right. Jimmy and Jay are going to take on some combination of Kofi, Big E, and Xavier. I don't know how I feel about that, how they can kind of decide which of the three you know, people get to, to pair up. And, and well, you're not the first person to feel that way. And they're not the first team to make people feel that way. Anytime this has ever existed, whether it's the Freebirds or the Jersey Triad or any such thing where you don't know which two men you're fighting, technically that should be illegal. Yeah. But it's not. It's a gimmick, just like any other gimmick. And they, and they let it slide. You know, hashtag if wrestling were real, it would never be allowed. But guess what? Wrestling is a work. I'm sorry. And uh, the New Day will, especially the New Day, will sort of be allowed to do whatever they please. 
And I think this is the night the belts come off of the Usos. Wow. I feel like the Usos have had their run. It was not as great as I'd hoped it would be, but it wasn't bad. Um, They did get to stretch their wings a little bit as heels. Um, But now it's time for them to lose them. Now it's time to see what they're like as hungry Belt chasing heels. Well, they've been that for a while. We already kind of saw that when American Alpha was champion, briefly, sadly. R.I.P. American Alpha. R.I.P. Um, unfortunately, the Usos, who are decent wrestlers, not great mic workers, went up against the New Day, and they are phenomenal mic workers. So anyone who kind of goes up against them, and New Day just is going to, you know, talk shit and make fun of everything that you do and everything you are and at the expense of the Usos. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been rough for the Usos. It's been rough for the Usos. Also, they they, they feud with uh, Brazongo, and they're they're just a comedy routine. A great one at that, I might add. Um, but it, it's just Conspicuous like... Conspicuous by their absence on this pay-per-view, by Even the way. though the Usos are so serious... They're they're fighting against you know breakfast cereal characters, right? You know, <laughs> no, so, they are, and, and, and that's the thing. Um, so it's it's sad. Just I mean, it's it's not working with the way the tag teams are on, on SmackDown right now. So go ahead and take out the Usos. I'll go with the New Day. Go ahead oh wow, well, okay, so. all right. I was not not expecting that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that the New Day. This is the time for them to be a little bit more. On SmackDown, they're going to take over. They're going to be exactly like when they're on when they were on Raw. Um, they're going to take over in terms of a tag team or a faction. They're going to, it's going to be all about them. They're going to come out with the ice cream cart, whole nine yards, and they're going to waste a lot of time talking shit that they don't really back up. But whatever, right. it's not a bad shtick. It's just it, I kind of need some refreshing. You need to freshen that up because I loved it once upon a time. Now I'm getting a little tired. Oh, I'm waiting for that Big E turn. You know it's going to happen. I don't know, man. Big E is going to pulverize Kofi and uh, Xavier. It's 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 coming, man. I, I wonder if, and I'm not going to be so bold as to predict. I'm just going to ask, uh, are we going to see Brizongo sometime before the pay-per-view or maybe at the pay-per-view? Figure out that it's the Usos who've been messing with them the whole time. This is how you get Brizongo on this pay-per-view. They come out, they cost the Usos the match. That way you can have an Usos-Brizongo feud that's not necessarily for the belt. Then who's and left then for New Day to fight? The new, well, not American Alpha. Yeah. Not the Vaude Villains. Not Slater and Rhino. Exactly. That's kind of it, right? But, hey, let's fashion a new team together. There are up. so many just tag teams that exist, and yet there are no tag teams. How does that happen? Superstar Shakeup for one. Okay. Uh, because there's a lot of raw tag teams. But I think it'd be nice to see an Usos Brizongo feud that wasn't for the belts that, that would lead toward a Brizongo New Day feud for the belts. Mm-hmm. But that's all fantasy booking. Fantasy we booking. won't know if any of that is even possible until we see the results of this match on Sunday. So 
We're both picking New Day. We'll see if we're right. We pick the New Day because we do think the title is going to change hands here. Because we're pretty sure the title is not going to change hands on the final match. World title holder. It was the world title. Now it's SmackDown Championship. Yeah, We talk about this every episode. I hate that we do. But still, it needs to be addressed. What do you call it? It's their top belt. Their top belt. The SmackDown Championship, we'll say. Or their uh, top title. They're taking on uh, Randy Orton. Jinder Mahal as the champion, taking on the Viper, Randy Orton. Randy Orton is just madder than a... I'm just as mad as a possum in a field. You know, it, it's, it's Southern. Uh, a possum in a field. A possum in a field. Po- that possum in a field could be definitely happy. not be angry. Yeah. It might be angry, but it probably has nothing to do with the field. I'm mad as a, I mean, mad as a mad possum in a field. <laughs> okay. See, it's already, right. it's, it's already mad. Right. Is it angry or is it crazy? It's crazy. Okay. Earlier today, it's funny you say that, I was thinking mad scientists, you know, <laughs> just, just cheer them up. Just yes. calm them down. Because oh. I think mad scientist doesn't mean what it once meant back in the day. Um, it's weird that you say that because I thought of that for no reason today. Um, and hey, there you go. There you, I go. You and I, we're fixing, we're fixing this world. Well, we'll get to, you know, the war and all that stuff and cancer. For now, though, you and I, that scientists, what's that yeah. all about? Yeah, pro wrestling and uh, just a dash of linguistics. Just a dash of Dawson of linguistics. <laughs> no, I got you, bud. So this is not just any match for the uh, SmackDown Championship. Nope, no, no, nope, nope. This one's a little special, folks. We don't get to pull this one out very often. It's the Poon Jobby Prison match. That's right. This was a match that was created during the uh, unfortunate reign of the great Kali. The great worker, I called him. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you did. I did. Uh, and the Poon Jobby Prison match looks badass. It's a double cage made out of bamboo, and uh, it's a cage within a cage. Um, it's an Inception cage match. And you have to get out of a small gate in the inner cage and then climb over the top of the outer cage to get out. I, I literally only have one visual of the Punjabi prison match. I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I believe it is The Undertaker swinging like Tarzan to kick the big show, which makes me think, <laughs> why are those two... In a Punjabi prison match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't there always be one Indian competitor uh, who may or may not even be from the Punjab region? But Well, don't, don't you want the gimmick to fit? Like having a casket match between like Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. It's kind of like, why? Right. These, are, <laughs> right. these are lively dudes. But they... Uh... Are gonna have this match, this this funky, cool looking, this funky Cole Medina uh, <laughs> yes. match uh, with the bamboo double cage, and it's Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton again, again, again. I will give you this one. This match we are seeing over and over and over again. Yeah, Randy was so upset about being humiliated and his father being humiliated. He was upset. In- he was mad. In St. Louis, he's a mad scientist. He was as mad as a mad possum in a field. Oh, right, 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 right. Duh. Yeah. But on this night here in Philadelphia, 
we're going to see, I guess, what will be Jinder having to do it on his own. The Singh brothers, I mean, they're they're just precisely the type of heels that work for just precisely the type of heel that Jinder is that would find a way to interfere. But hypothetically, they're not going to. They're going to be kept out of the ring, well away from the ring. In fact, outside of two cages. What's funny about them is they aren't, they are they are a distraction, they are interference, but like basically harm only ever comes with them. <laughs> yeah. Randy Orton loses matches because he's too busy beating these two people <laughs> up. It's not like, oh, these Sea Brothers are mean and big burly man and they're going to tear up Randy Orton if he's not looking. <laughs> no, they're just going to accidentally run into him and then he, Randy Orton is going to almost decapitate he's them. He's going to devastate. He's going to devastate them and then go, oh yeah, Jinder Mahal. Ow! I got hit by the Jinder Mahal move. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm as mad as a possum in a field. <laughs> I hope I don't cross paths with that mad possum. Oh, don't, don't go to any fields. Field. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, picking Jinder Mahal to win. Yeah. I mean, don't lose your gimmick match, your perhaps racially insensitive gimmick match. Uh, don't lose it. Have you been to Punjab? I have not. I haven't been. Uh, gender needs to win this because to lose it now would undo every, all the, you know, the clout that he's built up. Like, you know, the, the cachet, if you will. Oh, it's got cachet, and, baby. Uh, it's got cachet we, out the yin-yang. Randy Orton doesn't need this belt. I don't want him to have it. There's got to be plenty of people that don't want him to have it. Uh, gender's just great as the champion. I really, I'm really into Jinder Mahal as your champion. Yeah, I mean, I'd say 80% of the time when something different happens, I'm all for it. And Jinder being champion has been good for me. I'm not, I've, I've never really been a fan of Randy Orton. So him having the belt does <laughs> me no favors personally. So Jinder uh, all the way, man. Hashtag don't hinder gender. That's right. All right, that takes care of the card from top to bottom of SmackDown Live's exclusive pay-per-view battleground that occurs this Sunday. And we only chose one finish differently from one another. I had to keep it interesting. And that was the women's number one contendership match. Other than that, we picked the same things. I hope we're right. Yeah. Because we want to be right. We want to be able to go, we know what you're doing. We know what you We cover you. We cover you. We know what you're doing. Uh, sometimes we're more successful than others. We've been good Why lately. Why do you want to bring that up all of a sudden? Because I want to bring up that lately it's been really good. But I said the last couple ones have been pretty good. Yeah. And I won the last one. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that all the time. Shake and bake. And I helped. Okay. Well, one of us needs to get one of our interns here at the whole reference show to get the tally of wins and losses because I need to know who's doing the best at this point. Uh, I'll get my intern on that. Get your interns on it. And folks, get your interns on getting involved with the whole ref and show. 
How do you do that? Well, communicate with this man. Have your interns communicate with this man. And there are a lot of ways man. to do that. You can do that on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share all that fun stuff. Send us an email. Send us a Gmail like Holiday did when she disguised herself as someone named Holly, a fan of our show, a fan of Fest Wrestling. But don't actually do that. But don't don't be a scary uh, wrestler that's terrifying. We're going to have to take out like new insurance policies. We will. We're going to have to do that. That call, that email screener. I don't know what's going on. Um, but <laughs> give us a Gmail at uh, gmail.com. That's the whole reference show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram. The Whole Reffin Show, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. Killing it. We're killing it on Instagram. We're wanted for murder in multiple states on Instagram. All of you are also killing it. Thank you so much for engaging us on Instagram. There's a lot of great conversations. (laughs) Randy. A lot of great conversations we're having on there with listeners and fans. So please keep it up. We, We love each and every one of you. Yeah, man, we do. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hearing our thoughts on the wrestle world. We'll see you next time, folks, on the wrestling podcast. that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. We'll see you. We'll also see you in Gainesville for Fest Wrestling. Whoop, whoop. Xmas in July. I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah. I'm a fool to do your dirty work, oh yeah.